August 1st, 1981, a TV revolution happened when video killed the radio star, live and on TV. MTV debuted on cable and brought music videos nonstop into the households of millions of Americans. MTV was so popular that very soon after, Ted Turner tried and failed to launch his own cable music channel. In 1985, MTV kept trying to capitalize on the pop cultural success they'd captured by launching VH1 which replaced Ted Turner's failed venture on the airwaves. Of course, MTV is unique for bringing music videos and behind-the-scenes coverage of the music industry to mainstream cable television. But the urge to go behind-the-scenes into the music world is far from new. Throughout the 1960s, big pop music acts like Bob Dylan and the Beatles had camera crews filming their tours. And big-name documentarians like D.A. Pennybaker and Martin Scorsese had capitalized on the massive interest. I'm not taking no fucking responsibility for cats I don't know, man. I got enough responsibility with my friends and my own people. No, no, come on. And by the early 80s, the rock documentary had become such a cliche that This Is Final Tap was able to actively parody it. We gotta get Listen, uh, uh, where are you playing in tap? Are you playing here? We're doing the... Uh... Enormo Dome, whatever it is, it's terrific. Oh, yeah, it's big house. place. Sold that's it out. Town. That's Very a big nice. place. You sold What's it that, out. Oh, six. We really town. should no. run, you know. That's yeah. good. One of the most prolific music video directors was Bill Fishman. Fishman did music videos for the Ramones, including I Want to Be Sedated, Institutionalized by Suicidal Tendencies, Georgia Satellites, and even a bunch of music videos for Hank Williams Jr., and then my mom came in, and I didn't even know she was there. She called my name, and I didn't hear it, and she started screaming, Mike, Mike! And I go, what? What's the matter? In 1988, he had the idea for a movie about two slacker security guards who get fired from their jobs and decide to start making music videos to try to get on MTV. This movie was called Tapeheads, and it starred John Cusack and Tim Robbins. This film cemented the term, on spec, into the public consciousness. Oh, 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 oh. 
music videos in the late 1980s were still within the reach of many aspiring filmmakers who weren't ready to pitch a full feature film to a studio. The screenplay for Tapeheads arrived on the desk of Michael Naismith, who was a former monkey who produced Repo Man. He sold the script to NBC on the pitch that it would recapture the success he had with Alex Cox four years earlier. Neesmith also convinced John Cusack, based on the idea that this would be his Repo Man. It was an interesting proposition. Repo Man's surprise success had come after its modest theatrical run once it hit the video stores. It was an instant cult classic, the type of movie audiences latch onto after the fact. Part of the appeal, what compelled audiences to enter into video stores looking for it, was the hugely talented milieu of punk rock legends and characters in the cast and on the soundtrack. Neesmith was convinced that this time, between himself and Fishman with their music connections and this zany screenplay, he could pre-plan that cult success. My first girlfriend really fucked me over, okay? Sorry. Yeah, so was I. When did you break up with her? Kindergarten. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. And the cameo list is very impressive. Courtney Love, Jello Biafra, Weird Al, Ted Nugent, Dougie Fresh, Don Cornelius from Soul Train, the list goes on and on and on. Clue Gallagher from Return of the Living Dead, Doug McClure from Humanoids of the Deep, and Xander Schloss from Repo Man are in the supporting cast. Another one of Alex Cox's favorite actors, although not one who was in Repo Man, Xander Berkeley appears. Even Bobcat Goldthwait makes an appearance. In one of the most memorable bits, Sam Moore, who sang Soul Man, and Junior Walker play Billy and Lester Diamond of the Swanky Modes. The Swanky Modes are the main character, Ivan and Josh's favorite childhood singers, who are now down and out, forgotten in an age of music video fever. Where are they? It's no problem, all right? They're going to be here. The Modes are going to open for them. The Modes? Who the hell are the Modes? The Swanky Modes. They've been legends for 20 years. Where have you been? I'm only 17. Which, ironically, is where Tapeheads was also trapped for years after its initial release. At the time, Tapeheads did not exactly create the instant cult status that was hoped for it. It grossed $350,000 of its total $3 million budget in theaters. However, in recent years, as the internet and fan culture have become far more prevalent, Tapeheads has been rediscovered. The jokes throughout it have been recontextualized, at a time when the 80s is a decade which stands out as a pretty bad shifting point for the country. And without being so deluged by cult classics of the mid to late 80s, it's become an era where Tapeheads is probably able to stand out more than it did. Of course, it's now easier than ever to acquire a good quality camera and to shoot music videos that, even if you're not professional, look professionally done. And YouTube and other social media platforms have long outpaced MTV as a place to host music videos and with his own tastemakers and cultural means of discovery. The time of a wild west of exploitative music video production houses asking you to shoot on spec, and the wild hoops you need to go through to get a music video made, they're long gone. Maybe that's why Tapehead successfully feels like such an artifact of a particular moment in history. Your ass has just gone out high speed to thousands of affiliate stations, and each now has their own copy. <laughs> Say goodnight, Norman. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> anyway, before I introduce the panel, please like this video and subscribe to the Moving Night Extravaganza YouTube channel. Hit that bell to get notified whenever we're streaming. Also, we are now monetized, so if you have any pressing questions during this live stream, send us a super chat, which helps me keep the show running, which I am obligated by international law, human rights law, to answer. We also have a Patreon, patreon.com slash movie night extra. All of our after parties are on there forever. Okay, let me introduce the panel. Conan Neutron, host of Britonic Reversal, co-host of Movie Night Extravaganza, and frontman for Conan Neutron and the Secret Friends, neutronfriends.bandcamp.com. Jay Andrew World, illustrator, book cover artist, artist for Give Them an Argument, co-host for Movie Night Extravaganza, and Bad Takes. Christina Oaks, this Barbie is streaming on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Cosmopolitics, Twitter, Instagram, and Blue Sky at Cosmopolitics. Send her some subs on Twitch. Mike Peterson is a writer and publisher and graphic designer, the chair of RavenCon, with RavenCon 17 coming in 2024, a prolific con interviewer, and the publisher of the fanzine, Nth Degree. I, of course, am your number one Swanky Modes fan and aspiring RVTV host, Boris Miller. Ladies and gentlemen, Menudo. <laughs> Part of Christian Oaks will be played by Godzilla this evening. Thank you. <laughs> Yo, one yeah. of the one of the things with the Menudo bit in this, it it just reminds me how many Americans don't know that like you don't need a green card to go from Puerto Rico yeah. to the United States. <laughs> Well, like to the you know continental United States. <laughs> well, meticulous fact checking was not a big part of the whole tape and no. script, frankly. I, I uh, think also, that's what made it so funny. Well, yeah, and I think, I think it is what made it like. I don't know. Th just... This came out right at the only time that like the Menudo reference would make sense to because it was like, yeah, you know, serious. Oh, come on, there was a time the in 1999 with uh, when Ricky Martin made his big comeback. <laughs> I stand by my statement. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Insane movie, by the way. Weirder than I remembered, which is Santa Locks. I remembered it being pretty weird. And, uh, you know, people call it a vibe movie, right? Yeah, it it's definitely gets by on the vibes and just, like, the, the frames. And it's interesting that it is kind of, like, a send-up of, like, music video culture, but not really, like, a satire. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I, I also feel like we should start doing, like, some kind of, like, web tree or something of different kinds of vibe movies because i feel like yeah there, there are some vibe movies that are like legitimately like great and they get by on kind of making it feel like you know you're really in in the movie you know hanging out with the protagonist or that you know it's something kind of crazy that you're on, on the ride for this is more on that side but this kind of the fact that it's a fun vibe i think is very, it's just a manic vibe i mean yeah. it, it just oh, feels cool. like someone's like you know took the table pushed everything off of it poured out a gigantic thing of cocaine and said let's make a movie is what it it's feels. almost yeah. it's almost like a manic like looney tunes vibe too yeah like, it's totally. the kind of vibe where it's like it almost feels like you're watching something uh surreal to the point of being a cartoon yeah. oh, it is yeah. very it is. Spots. you know at, at one point you know a character reaches out a window and pulls a beer out from thin air you know it's right. it's very cartoonish <laughs> yeah, welcome the, to the uh, show by the way mike uh, yeah, yeah well, <laughs> welcome to the show <laughs> oh thank you he also has the bullet whiz right past his head and it hits the uh his the bus that he has of himself yeah. in the room and he's and also it hits the beer that he's holding he's like anyone want to drink and that that's like one of the most cartoonish moments like i don't know like just uh 
that like I don't think you could get away with doing that today, even in like a comedy. Like I feel like yeah. we, it would have to be like grittier. But yeah, it's also changed a lot since 1989. It's it, it's also I think part of like a trilogy that John Cusack did these these three great comedies uh, in a row in uh, you know in, in uh, the late 80s, which would have been. Um, uh, uh, one crazy summer. Um, oh shit! What's that other one? Uh, I got interrupted doing an episode about it on, on uh, my, my on man's phone. Rick Perry right now, and and, and imagine <laughs> third thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know the Department of Education. Uh, yeah, better off dead. <laughs> which is the, uh, the film. And one crazy summer and tape heads. I think is like this interesting trilogy that yeah. uh, John Cusack had at this. Uh, I think that's time. also what Rick Perry said about the Department of Education. Plan, better off dead. Hey. Sorry, what was that, Mike? I said tone-wise, I think it's closer to Gross Point Blank than any of those others, though. But Gross Point Blank was a lot later. Uh, but tone-wise, to- yeah. tone well, definitely, for sure. Yes. Hard, hard not, not that much later, like mid-90s. Yeah. yeah, this is, well, this is, what, 88, right? So, Gross, gross Point Blank, let's see. Let's get our top fact-checkers on it. Here. Yeah, it was like, yeah, it was definitely mid-90s. 94, 95, somewhere yeah. in there. Maybe 96, yeah. 97. I, gross I find Point it, Blank, I, 1997. So, almost oh, 10 years oh, later. Yeah. Oh, I, Con I Air! I forgot of, he was uh, Con Air! Yes. <laughs> That's awesome. It, it's fascinating that they sold this to John Cusack by saying, like, man, this is going to be your repo, man. Like, yeah, yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, like, exactly. cause, uh, yeah. I don't know. I feel like, number one, you wouldn't want to be Emilio Estevez. Well, maybe in 1988 you still would be. It seemed like he was, like, on the fast track to be, yeah. to, like, had the best path to being, like, the inheritor of what his dad was doing, but with indie yeah. stuff, you know? Uh, and, I mean, like, like it was a shock when he died in uh, uh, Mission Impossible. Yes, sure. Mission Impossible, everybody. So, uh, but but I think that uh, it's remember that you know there was. I mean, I and you covered um, you guys being forced, and and Andy covered this before I was on the show. But like you know, there there was a through line for all Alex Cox's stuff. Um, that like there was kind of an appetite for like this could go big. You know, there there was sort of, like, but it's also like Alex Cox especially was just just irascibly. Alex Cox, and which is why they're great. But like, it was like, oh, what if somebody was to do that and have like more of a commercial sensibility? Which you can take that to like the punk rock new wave thing, right? That like, yeah. okay, well, there's, for instance, you did mention of the thousands of people in this movie, you did mention Stiv Bader's uh, from the Dead Boys, uh, who was in there, um, who plays this ridiculous caricature of a you know a punk rock band gone big that is like by someone who's never heard music apparently but like uh you know but it's notable that there's a lot of those joe biafra as an fbi agent who references himself yes uh, you know like amazing there's a lot of amazing little moments in here but i think again the thing that made repo man work was wasn't necessarily the plot it's sort of like it, it had all of these strong characterizations and sort of like little mysterious moments for the audience kind of dig into and be like, this is awesome. And I could see like, Hey, we can do that with this. And by the way, crazy to think about now making videos didn't used to be something you could do on your phone. First of all, people didn't have cell phones for the younger listeners, but like, I am old enough that when I learned editing, I learned on the machines, the big machines with the tape and all that. And I was like one of the last people to, to do that. But that's how I learned to do editing. And it's crazy to think about like how like you can literally like make a little short film on your phone now with nothing else for free. Yeah. Astounding. That was not the case, though. 
I mean, the the other connection between the Alex Cox stuff and uh, I mean, besides the fact you know the same producer, uh, Michael right. Michael Neesmith, Mike, Mike, Mike Nesmith yeah. from uh, yeah, Mike, Mike, yeah, yeah. Um, who also made Head. I mean, like look at like what. <laughs> Yeah, so Mike Nesmith was Mike Nesmith, <laughs> but also um, like they kind of uh, grabbed like the the Alex Cox cast. You know what I mean? Like yeah, Tyler like these and- right, right. These are all the people. These are the actors and, and actresses that we like that like fit the vibe of what we're going for, right? And, and it was considered young and edgy. And John Cusack was like, dude, baby Tim Robbins, baby John Cusack, and this. They, there was no one edgier than, than those. Guys. Yeah, and this pre Bob Roberts, even though Bob Roberts is on the soundtrack. Which is wild. That's when he was just a soundtrack artist, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um. But yeah, like they even they even grab um. I can't I can't remember uh his name off the top of my head, but they even grab like uh one of like Alex Cox's like the person that he kind of discovered um Xander uh Zan- Xander, Xander Berkeley. Berkeley. Xander no, Berkeley. not not Xander Berkeley. Oh Xander no, Berkeley's Xander Schloss. Xander Schloss from yeah, Xander Schloss. So they they grabbed him. The weirdos. He, he was kind of uh. Yeah. You know, his movie career started with Repo Man, right? Like he's he's just the fucking uh you know, he's he's stacking fucking uh like first he's stacking the, the, the um cups or whatever at the uh at the grocery store and then they have him working at the at the gas station later yeah. in Repo Man where he's um he just gets the car and it whizzes past him. They have him pop up in this too. It's like um they're trying to do the through line to Alex Cox. I did read like a, a very, very, very negative review of this movie, which I don't agree with, but um kind of talking about how you like you can't force a cult movie to be made yeah. on like commercial right. grounds and i don't think that that's necessarily consciously what they were trying to do all the way with this like i think that at least bill fishman saw this as like you know a legitimate movie that he could go around and, and show people like hey you know yeah. this is what i do and this is kind of a parody of my own work as a music video director like i don't think that was his first thought with this i do think uh michael nesmith uh th- that that might have been his thought with this like yeah. we can create a commercially viable um, <laughs> well, the- there's not going to be another time to bring this up, so I'll I'll just say that I've played with the weirdos. It's not when Xander Slash was, them, but which is which is kind of how about that against the bastards? Have you have you played with those? No, uh, but also uh, he was in Circle Jerks, which of course featured heavily in Repo Man in an in-universe band. Uh, you know, with that great scene of like you know oh you know like the the, the sellout scene. I forget, I forget the exact the, the exact thing. And there were like the moments of self awareness on there were musically interdependent upon knowing that the Circle Jerks were like ostensibly like a, a you know very fast speedy thrash band that was the inheritor of like what Black Flag was doing from that and that um, Honey and Beach sound. And and there's not that level of ingrained uh, social shorthand here as much as it, they would like it to be. Uh, so that's one of the reasons like, why Repo Man is like hits different, right? That's that's not to like denigrate tape heads. It's just that you know it it flounders a little bit because it doesn't have that goodwill bought uh, from people that are that are known from the scene, right? Like you know we were talking about yeah. before the we started the show about comic book movies that seem to be like made by people that don't like comic books, and it's like, well, what you know, like <laughs> why are, why are you making this? I mean, um, he kind of Alex Cox kind of kicks that same kind of thing up to a high gear with. Another movie, another um, movie that has like a similar cast, pretty much to Repo Man. It has like Dick Rude and it has uh, Cy Richardson. Like it has that same cast. Straight to Hell, which is a movie that we Straight talked about yeah. when we talked about uh, Walker, because that was a movie he was yeah. literally just no, another to one I wasn't on, but and didn't get to talk but, about. It, but yeah, that is a great that it, and and I mean, for I've a while, talk about it again Xander <laughs> actually kind of seemed like. It, that was going well for him. Like he was in, he was like become a weird character actor. Basically. Yeah, <laughs> but he hits that point where it's not really as much a um, 
I guess, an in-movie band, but he has, like, pretty much every fucking punk rock idol that he knows simultaneously fucking singing in the middle yep. of the desert. And they're yep. all, they has that point where everything kind of pauses and they all fucking sing together for a second. And it's like, I feel like <laughs> that's the, the culmination of Repo Man and, like, you know, his kind of in, inside jokes, inside uh, band kind of things that he does throughout all of his movies. That's, like, the that's like the point where it, it got very close to jumping the shark almost, right? Like, it, it hit the point where it's like, all right, you got you got them all in the desert. They're singing like let's 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 dial this back maybe one percent. Like, well, <laughs> and Tapeheads has the thing like it's almost like the reverence of the Tim Robbins and uh, John Cusack character has to um, <laughs> uh, to the musicians is like almost blues brother like right like and that's sort of like an homage like to that uh, and the Earth style thing, which is great because it's a guy from Sam and Dave <laughs> and fucking Gene Redford, and it's like it's, these two guys are like the real deal. And uh, it's something where it's kind of cool. Says the reboot will be called Streamheads. <laughs> it's, it's it's kind of amazing they got them. It's kind of amazing that they spent money on like the laser show part of it, but they didn't give them microphones for the big for the big uh, the big oh, show yeah. down at the end. Courtney loves in this for like like maybe forty five seconds, but it's yeah, they bring they bring Courtney seconds. Love in this just so they can say that Courtney loves in it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well yeah, and you know, yeah, bring, bringing well, it back to Straight to Hell for a second, that's the opposite of what they do in Straight to Hell, where they overutilize Courtney Love and they just kind of have her staggering through the fucking yeah. desert. I like that movie a lot, but it's like it definitely is. It's a great fundraising, uh, a great way to fundraise to get to the fucking Sandinistas. But like that movie is bad shit. <laughs> there you go. Thank you. It's been a great show, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. So anyway, uh, so my, my thing with tape heads is sort of like, well, they're, they're evoking that same thing, which was kind of like in the DNA for this kind of like madcap eighties comedy, right? There, there was a lot of examples of it and there are lower sort of, um, more serious versions, like, you know, you know, like what, like your risky businesses or whatnot. Then you have like stuff that are like more absurdist, um, like well, I mean, we just talked about after hours in the last episode. Yeah. I mean, right? after like, hours good, is a great yeah, example of that, right? And that rides really a bit good. of the line. Uh, but it, it is there's not a lot of send up of this era of making uh, music related video television. Probably the closer version is UHF, maybe like, maybe. I mean, and that's like, yeah, you so get a little bit of it, you know. Well, it was such a brief period in time that that existed. You know, it, it, it didn't take too much long longer, you know, from 1988 before MTV started moving on to other things. Yeah. Well, you know, then they started. Well, yeah, I mean that was definitely like the the yeah. mid '90s was like, oh, we can just make these reality shows for nothing, mm -hmm. and people will watch them. I mean, I still remember the Real World premiered, and I remember being like, who the hell would want to watch that? Anyway, uh, <laughs> well, and I, then the the other thing I think that's kind of fascinating with this, and it continued on, but like you know, kind of the height of uh, like you know, music video, um, the music video era, I guess, with MTV, right? Like, yeah. Um, not only did, did Bill Fishman do institutionalize like the, you know, the, the suicidal tendencies fucking, which video. has a level, a profile level way bigger than the, than the band, like, yeah. which is not small, but well, like everyone the, knows greatest, that video. It's the greatest Pepsi ad of all time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Ice-T Ice covered it. I don't know if you've ever seen Ice-T's yeah. version of it, which is wild. But he also did, he also did several of the Ramones videos yeah, uh, did, after, uh, like 10 years sedated. after they released their things and then he did things like fucking the backstreet boys hank williams jr like the the amount of weird music videos that he was able to do in in this like couple um i guess uh weekends or i mean a couple of decades on top of 
like he did fucking a Sir Mix a Lot music video. Like I'm looking at the list right now. Like yeah. it's, it's an insane list. Um, and and it goes on until literally 2022. Oh, and like from like you know yeah. Counting Crows to Lamb of God. I mean, he was like all over the place. He he did a uh, he did an Eagles of Death Metal video that has uh, my friend Dave Ketchin in it. And like uh, I mean, there, there's a bunch of other. I mean, yeah, it, it's a pretty wide. Uh, career, but it's just crazy. Like I'm thinking about the fact that I'm going to be shooting three music videos myself in like the next like three weeks for uh, Conan and the Shook of Friends, and you know we can do that. We can just do that with like stuff that we have around. You know, I mean Mark Borchardt yeah. probably got like he's got fancier stuff than the, the the other directors, but like you have the ability to do that's equalized in a way that it was something that was like you might as be like I'm going to go be an astronaut now. To be like, I'm gonna make you know MTV style music videos, which of course is they don't say MTV, but that's what it is. It's MTV yeah. uh, at the time, like it, it was like there was no possible way that you could ever do that. Like that was which not makes a it a perfect. I mean, it's a perfect parody when they get hired, kind of you know, just because they they meet the journalists like Samantha yeah. or whatever, and they get hired to the Blender Children and <laughs> don't know <laughs> they, man, yeah. they they don't know how to do like the crane, which is something that you know even even in like film school, you know what I mean? Like they don't yeah. teach you how to use the crane. Like that's something you have to learn on set. Yeah. And for for the joke to be like, oh, he's gone through like the seven most popular uh, music video directors already, and like said, oh, I don't like that. I want you know, bring me someone who's gonna break the rules. And they end up fucking driving the the crane right. Yeah, they wrecked the, the set, <laughs> so they definitely yeah yeah yeah. You know, spoiler alert. But no, it, it, it's um, you know, it's it's just it's it's one of those things that requires like a paragraph of information for someone that you know, didn't necessarily like grow up around that time to like, to realize like this was just a different world that was not available to the average human being. But it also, it feels like, I mean, even, even kind of in this, you know, newer world, right? Like going either both, both taking classes that, you know, you do video editing and um, like college for me, like they, a lot of times hand you a video camera and say, you know, just go out there and figure it out. Yeah. And so this movie is kind of parodying like that crash course in uh you know with, without even like the the schooling side of it right like handing them like a, you know the equipment and being like look do this on spec figure out how to do this well and, and that's uh, a yeah the don cornelius's character of being like well you know you can do it on spec and then mofas yeah. which by the way i do want to apologize to our uh viewing audience that we don't have production value this week um <laughs> <laughs> but we do have godzilla so i hope you can appreciate wow. that yeah. <laughs> First of all, how dare you? <laughs> well, you know, that's what happens when Oppenheimer drops the bomb. You get Godzilla. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, and production values, of course, for, for those that we'll, we won't assume that everybody's seen the film is uh, yeah, we, we don't We don't have any TNA. I mean, you know, I could, I could, I could, if, if, if need be, you know, I'm willing to step up. I, I don't think we need that. But I think we're good. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't think anyone was looking for that. Um, <laughs> I, I do. I do appreciate the. Uh, there's a really like fast bit in this where after he makes that reference, um, it flips like their next music video, and it's literally just fucking like asses. You know what I mean? The, 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 yeah, production they, And that's and that's barely like even referenced. Like he's just watching it on the screen. Yeah. <laughs> Don Cornelius talking about TNA has not aged well, though. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, having been uh, accused of, uh, you know, assaulting uh, a couple of uh, Playboy playmates. Oh, that's right. I forgot yeah. about that. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that, that little bit hasn't aged too well. <laughs> Wait till you hear about A.J. Simpson. 
Kevin Spacey in there. You could be, you could be you know, yeah, it's, Imagine Kevin Spacey going, there's only one thing that can add real production value. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that'd just be creepy. <laughs> I mean, Don Cornelius at least has some kind of charm to him. Oh, sure. Kevin Spacey's just always creepy. It's like, is he a good actor or is he just creepy? <laughs> Both. Um, but yeah, so there isn't very much uh, clip kind of stuff that exists for this movie, but I found uh, Bill Fishman talking about it um, on on another, someone who's... This th- is a this, pretty obscure movie, frankly. Like, yeah. it's sort of like, we, we like... Oh, yeah, like Anytime I mention it, half the time, uh, most people have no idea what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. And some people think you're talking about Airheads, which is the Michael Amon oh, movie, yeah. which, which we actually are going to cover next month with Michael Amon. But, like, yeah, most people do not know Tapeheads. Yeah. Like, it, it is a little bit on the obscure side. It, I mean, look, it is Star Center, though. Jessica Walters in this, you know, yeah. the the mom from Arrested Development and uh, the boss in Archer. Like, and people, it's like, oh, yeah, she was young once, you know. Hey, everybody, it's limbo time. Yeah. See, that, that's another another uh, cartoonish moment in this is when they they re they reutilize that line when he's yeah. having when he's finally having sex. And then literally the, the entire like everybody, the swanky modes apparently there. knows. The yeah, band's playing there. at them. It's like, what is <laughs> what? What's happening? <laughs> But uh, so I found I found this interview with a lady who is equally awkward, I think, to, uh, you know, our favorite Bobby. Uh, This this lady is also very awkward, but, you know, fantastic. Not uh, most of that. Your big break, I guess. I don't know if this was your big break, but it was your big debut in writing and directing was Tapeheads. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And how did that come about? Well, I had started um, I had started directing uh, music videos. Oh, that's right. And um, so you do music videos in between music videos, films. and yeah, yeah, in between films. Okay. And uh, this is when I, <laughs> I was starting to do music videos, and uh, I met um, uh, Peter McCarthy uh, and uh, Michael Nesmith, who had done the film, who were doing the film uh, Repo Man, uh, if you know that film. And uh, Alex Cox directed that, and I had written this film called Tapeheads, which was uh, based on my experiences as a music video director. And Michael um, Nesmith, who was one of the monkeys, right. um, uh, had a deal with Brandon Tartikoff over at NBC to make uh, movies. And he uh, read my script and said, you know, I want to do this. And um, we went in and met and uh, cast uh, uh, Johnny Cusack and Tim Robbins and, and made a movie, um, you know, back when, um, Sort of music videos were starting all about that, you know, experience. And it was but kind of fun. but um, it really was somebody that you knew. Somebody had you ever worked with the monkeys making no, videos? With no, no, I had I, I I did subsequently. Oh, after, because, but not before. <laughs> yeah, Michael was uh, an estranged monkey. Oh, I and see. then I got contacted by the record company Rhino Records, oh. who produced my new film, My Dinner with Jimmy, and they, they'd contacted me to direct a reunion of the monkeys, uh, oh. a, a music video. So I actually then met the other three monkeys, and then they got back together and uh, years later, and then they called me to do to direct that in an ABC special that they were doing. So I was sort of in ex- intrinsically linked to them but even though you were a cinematographer and a director you did have some music ties didn't you yeah uh, you know just really the music videos has been my my main tie through the music yeah i mean i've been 
doing a lot of work in music videos over the years. So there always seems to be music and- But to begin with, like tape heads won a lot of awards. And what I was wondering is, did that make it easier for your next project because of the-, the yeah. um, well, it, you know, it did. It you know, it went to Sundance and Toronto and all these places. So it was winning awards at all these film festivals. It was winning awards. And, and, and then you had great there. actors. Well, it was like one of the 10 best, you know, my, Michael Moore said, oh, I put this on my 10 best films of the year <laughs> list to me. And, and in, the, in Boston, it, it, uh, it was on the 10 best films of the year and some critics. And, but but uh, commercially, it, um, you know, it didn't do well at all. They, the distributor was a new distributor and they couldn't get it. Uh, uh -huh. They didn't really get it out, and it didn't really um, play. So, you know, mostly what they they look at in these things is how it does, you know, theatrically. Oh, so maybe that does that would so, help you. Yeah. So there was a lot of heat, you know, signing agents and things like that. Oh, but yeah. it wasn't um, it wasn't quite so easy to do uh, because you know it didn't have a box office smash. You know? I didn't think about that because Tapeheads is like an underground film, or if you want to say that, or but a really known film. Yeah. Well, we, you know, we thought it was a pop movie. You know, we, they they said, "Oh, this is going to be a, uh, this is going to be a great cult movie." And we were like, "No, no, no, it's not cult." Oh, you don't we, want that. No, we we want it to be a mass market. Movie. But now you like that. that yeah, kind of sure. Whatever feeling, people yeah. think. You know. The other thing you directed then at right. I, I would bet good money that that interviewer has never seen tape heads. <laughs> <laughs> So you uh, you 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 did music videos in in between the movies. Then you, you did the in, you know it. the grand tradition of I'm just gonna bullshit my way through this. Yeah, <laughs> uh, she her show seems to be like she just finds she just or I think it was in the '80s. She just found people and she just like in her, like it would be two completely different people. There would be no connection between them. Yeah. And she'd be like, "Oh, this is some person that's working for some charity that seems good. Oh, and this is Bill Fishman to talk about tape heads." And it's like yeah. a it's like a show. I think it was like, and here's a bowl of lemons. Yeah. It's yeah. Like the idea of a show with having like a cohesive identity and sort of brand proposition was not a commonplace thing. Really. Well, she seems like she's the brand proposition. She's like, I can talk to anybody. Because everybody wanted to be Donahue. That's why everyone thought no. they were Phil Donahue. Well, not Oprah. Phil Donahue. This is their Phil Donahue. He was yeah, first. And then, and then the Iraq war happened and everyone said, Oh, I don't, we don't want to be Phil Donahue anymore. <laughs> well, and, and Oprah became the do, you know the more dominant one in television. Uh, she didn't have a, she didn't she didn't have any thoughts about the Iraq War. <laughs> <laughs> Kept it right down the middle. Now, now uh, has uh, everybody seen uh, Elephant Parts? Not for a very long time. But but there's like a, a through line. Uh, oh, I can't remember the last time I was at the zoo. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> just parts of elephants everywhere. Oh, they got this part, that part. No. They got them all. What do you need? They got them. Thank um, you. need a spare trunk. Um, the uh, other part sounds like the uh, the most the darkest Marx Brothers movie. Done <laughs> <laughs> by uh, uh, what was the guy who did Gummo? Uh, <laughs> Harmony Corinne. Harmony Corinne. Yeah, but, but like uh, I remember in the '90s, people said that uh, Elephant Parts created MTV, which is probably bullshit because they they came out within a month of each other. Um, also, nobody saw it. That movie was like a huge flop. Yeah. So exactly. how would that, how would they? Oh yeah, this obscure thing released on Betamax that nobody saw definitely like it influenced this. <laughs> yeah. No. No, that's not true. <laughs> I know. I know. I'm just you know. But but there is a kind of a through line from uh, because Michael Nesmith was the uh, the host of uh, Elephant Parts. Um, yeah. 
See, and, he's, see, and he's leaned on that. He's leaned on that hard, but tried to like I. I've seen like yeah. I was watching clips of him, where he's like, you know, a lot of people say I invented the music video. You know, I invented MTV. That's not true, but a lot of people have said that. Yeah, you're the one who keeps saying it. You are the only one that keeps saying it. Actually, <laughs> the people just, just like his bandmate talking about how he uh, became a real Vulcan. Okay, no, Andy, we're not going there. Uh, but but like I, there is obviously uh, a lot of through lines to what we're talking about with uh, the timeline for for after hours. It's just because like there was this idea of like oh, there's this new form of art. And then, like they will, and they were basically letting everyone on for a while. It's like, oh, you got a video? Great, we'll put it on, you know. And then again, before they figured out how to the, the system and everything. Uh, yeah, because, it's because interesting. I, that, I don't that, think '88 was that time though. That was more like '81. So, it's well, like, so it, it also feels like it's it's almost like uh, gatekeeping by technological access. Like absolutely, yeah. Like if if, if like because it's not easy to make a music video at that point. Like you know, even I mean? if it's you only, could shoot it, how do you yeah. edit it? Because you literally, like, the editing consoles were, like, thousands and thousands of dollars yeah, as well. And getting two VCRs, that is next to impossible <laughs> if, if, exactly. if you tried that back in the day, which, you know. Um, exactly. Get yeah. SLP yeah. mode. I got RoboCop. I got Hellraiser. I got, what do you want? I got it all, man. <laughs> I got Phantasm 2. Yeah, all that stuff on the same tape. It's crazy. What a time to be alive. But, I mean, <laughs> but this kind of is what makes this a fascinating movie, the fact that it's kind of, uh, somebody like Bill Fishman that's made all of these music videos and like is one of the people that got to gatekeep kind of what got made and what didn't right. as well as as well as um, Michael's ne- Michael Nesmith like you know both people that kind of got to be these uh, originators of this art form I mean two of them not like you know there's a lot of them but like two of the originators of this art form um, kind of parroting their own uh, you know their their own commercial projects I guess right like mm-hmm. you get to kind of see what what they think of themselves in that moment. Or what they think of, you know, the generation of people, I guess, after them coming into it and like how little you can kind of bullshit your way into this, I guess, uh, this new style of art. But is it just me? Like, it doesn't quite feel like a satire, though. That's the thing. It doesn't feel like it goes hard enough to be a satire of that. Yeah. I mean, it it feels kind of like a parody more than like a satire. Like, it feels like it's just, like, the classic thing of, like, oh, there's the artistic one and there's the business-minded one and they're just going to go try to, like, do a thing. And, like, and it just happens to be videos that they're, uh, that they're doing and, like, okay, then they're doing, they're doing the videos. And I never did see the monkeys, actually. Um, that, that's on screen. Um, it, it's an 80s madcap comedy. It's not Yeah, the, exactly. The comedy yeah. part of it and the ridiculousness and the sort of, like, the farcical elements. Perfect example. They get fired from their security guard job because they throw a wild party that they like bypass the video. So, thing for, so right? 80s. You know? Which is like, I love it every wild party. First of all, there's synchronized dances. There's someone with a can of spray paint that's just going at it for like, and it's just like. It looks like, uh, it looks like the wall that like Mr. Gorbachev tear yeah. down that wall. <laughs> no, it's, it's, and that's one of the scenes I, I appreciated in Bo's Afraid when everybody like gets in. It's like, oh, that reminds me of like one of those 80s montages of like the crazy party yeah. and everything. <laughs> But that, but that's like, it's the, like it wouldn't most, escalate that quickly and all at once. But it's like that's, it always that's does the most that. depraved. That's the most depraved, horrifying version of that too, which I appreciated about that. Right, movie. right, right. Like yeah. he, he literally just watches like almost like cockroaches, fucking junkies, like go into his apartment and lock him up. Like, he was the last guy that the yeah, finger. yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, yeah, and it's certainly like more uh, menacing than some some like graffiti and synchronized dance moves. But that said, I feel like that was like the montage that's like every madcap comedy that has yeah. in it. Oh, yeah you know well and also mu- music videos <laughs> love to utilize that too right like like um 
both rock videos and like early rap videos, I feel like they love to utilize like the quick party where it's like, come on guys, we're having a party. And then, cause they yeah. get a lot of people in one place at the same time and then throw like a, a fake smash party. cut. And yeah. Then, Whoa, <laughs> someone's got the lampshade on. Whoa, it's crazy. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, definitely. Well, I, and I also, I like the joke though, that they're like, Oh, well they must've seen the ad. Like, right. he, he, put it <laughs> yeah. he said it out about it. Yeah, exactly. And then, like, he's like, it's like, like what? some kind of like, uh, security, like, it's some kind of like, I don't know if it's government, but it's some kind of business security building, right? Like, what? It's such, it's such a weird setup because <laughs> Tim Robbins is the artsy one and John Cusack is supposed to be like the business minded one. And he's the one that's like, no, check it out. There's all these crazy people. Like, it's like, it, th- it, that it, it kind of feels like they swapped roles at the last minute. Yes, exactly. <laughs> like, well, he's and, also got the artistic pencil mustache, as if he's like right. some kind of painter <laughs> yeah. from the eighteen hundreds or something. And he's the one that's like, "No, nah, I'm a capitalist, and this is my artistic friend." That Bob yeah, it, it's this very like it, it's almost, and the whole thing is like a setup just to like they lost their jobs, and that's why they're doing this. And it's like, okay, so that was like, all right, we got this whole like. There's a character who's like eating a Twinkie on the toilet. Uh, and uh, you know, apparently, like a, tra- a trans woman comes in and you know, pees next to him, and he's like, re- Was it guns and ammo or something? He's reading, yeah, it was like, yeah of Soldier of Fortune, Soldier of Fortune, that's what it was. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's all hilarious. Stuff, as but... Soldiers of Fortune, which they is also hilarious. they also hire him as the um, as their limousine driver, but right, you never get any lead up, but there's that, no right? there's no scene that <laughs> even <laughs> introduces yeah. that. There's no interest in explaining it. It's just like, oh no, he's here now. Okay. And then he's like, I love these guys. Well, he probably got fired from his uh, uh, security job after yeah. he fired them. Yeah. Well, probably, but yeah, there's no 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 interest in explaining that either. But it's like, just it, like and it, and it would take a 10 second scene. It would take a 10 second scene of them going back to their old job with like a limousine and being like, hey, you know, like quit your job. You know what I mean? Like, we'll, and he goes, we'll sure. He takes the soldier of fortune magazine, throws it in the air and like jump and, you know, and his box of tissues that he's jerking off within the security bathroom. And does does like the tear away clothes. He's got a limousine driver, limousine driver suit underneath, you know, like you know, whether these things write themselves on the hat. <laughs> but it's the eighties. You know, pulls his pants up. Clean. I don't know. Whatever. Well, it's the eighties, right? It's automatic financial domination. You can yeah. just have your own boss, your old boss drive you as long yeah. as you have the money to do it. Right. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, it's, it's that's the only like, thing stopping you is is the is the fiscal part of it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's what Bobcat Goldthwait was selling in the film. <laughs> Who is I? Yes, it was like, oh, that's Bobcat Goldthwait, and then like he's like, what? And his because he doesn't look like him. And, and yeah. to be fair, he looks more like that now now that he's dropped that <laughs> character. But like, yeah, <laughs> no, mostly. He still he still exaggerates a bit, but I love not, I love no the, not like I would no Andy not no. like he used no he not like he used to. Thank Correct. you, but. He does in his real life. Uh, you know, we got this last time. Uh, uh, Forrest and I were talking about tape heads. Uh, somebody who knew Bobcat Goldthwait and, and it's like, oh, he's actually doing his right. real voice. That's the only that's the only reference you're allowed to make for that other episode. Uh, yeah. Best eighty scene was in Hot to Trot, where a talking horse let a bunch of animals in <laughs> and trashed Bobcat Goldthwait's penthouse with the Beastie Boys' "Fight for Your Right to Party" playing. I, I think that is a good candidate for the best eighties party scene. <laughs> for sure, that's hard to it's hard to top. God, I haven't thought about hot to trot. Hot to trot is not something we think about often on this show. No, especially now we're doing like stalker or some character. Oh, you remember hot to trot? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I was just referencing that when we were discussing uh, the, 80, the, the, the horse led in all the animals and uh, the eighties version of Animal Farm. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they're like <laughs> communism yeah. is over party. Mike, when did you see this movie? When did you first see this? This not hot uh, to see- trot. 
this movie. <laughs> as soon as it came out, uh, I, I remember seeing an ad for it in the paper. Um, you know, and it had all the <laughs> just all like the, the party. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw Nesmith producing it, and you know, I was yeah. a, a huge monkeys fan. I was I, I watched elephant parts, I watched television parts, um, which never gets mentioned anywhere near as much as elephant parts did. Um, uh, the um, you know, I, I was a big fan of Repo Man, and then I saw the, the you know, the ad also listed with music by and you know, great list of names. Uh, so the second it came, it hit the theaters, I was out watching it and then, you know, bought it the second it was out on video. Uh, so yeah, I was, I, I was there day one. Features a Devo song sung in Swedish by a bunch of hair farmers. Uh, yeah. Which is, My baby doll. which is hilarious. Cause it's like, oh yeah. Former guest of the show, Gerald V. Casale was cube squared. Yeah, I, I like I like that Diva wanted as as like a new pretty new band wanted nothing to do with this movie like whatever yeah. what, what, whether they like read the script or not or like got it pitched to them I don't know but like they're like the one uh you know group of like the one musical group that was like yeah we're not gonna take the money for this we don't we don't want to get covered in paint in whatever whatever this is. <laughs> <laughs> to, to to be oh, fair, that, been anywhere near as funny if uh, Devo had had actually filmed it, right? You know, having those male model Swedish looking guys yes. getting covered with paint was yeah. so much funnier. It, it's so it's so much better. <laughs> to be fair, that's off the total Devo record, which is yeah. honestly one of their worst ones, and uh, they 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 had bigger problems going on than that. Still, but not yeah. as bad as smooth noodle noodle maps. No, yeah. smooth noodle maps is bummer. And people do not remember something for everybody, which came out about ten years ago and is amazing. So it's too bad. Yeah. But anyway. Um, no, it's way funnier because it's like flock of seagulls, like musk or yeah. flock of seagulls getting dumped paint on them. Great, I'm in. Stop <laughs> right there. You made the sale. <laughs> yeah. And, and the funny thing is, is like uh, I watched a movie yep, with sure one of the right. guys from that scene in it. And it was yeah. like, I'm like, he looks so familiar. Who is he? I'm like, is that Kato Caitlin? No, it's not Kato Caitlin. <laughs> <laughs> the guy from Cube Squared. Yeah. But but I spent I spent like thirty minutes like while I'm watching the movie like googling like trying trying to figure out who this guy is and they're like oh oh it's okay but there are there are very funny moments like when they're when they when Steve Bader's band uh, is you know they're, they're killed by like a freak accident and they need to premiere the video and then they like lazily like put on uh, the correct audio but the video is like from that funeral and it, it plays out like yeah. November rain or something it's, it's well, amazing and, and that's it's, like, one of the moments hilarious. where it yeah. feels more like. Not satire, but parody, I guess. No, totally, because it's a huge hit. Because I was like, "Oh, that's so yeah." And it's so and, and it, and that's one of the, <laughs> so that's one of the few moments that it does feel like they're completely um, parodying their industry, right. right? Like because it's like, well, you know, in this day and age, like literally any, like you could literally just do that, and then they're like, "Wow, it's so dark, it's so." Like post which was considered high, yeah high satire at the time and now of course we all know that that is you know it's like whatever people will just they do the like the, the trailer thing where you take a trailer and you just cut it with different music and it becomes yeah. a different style yeah. of movie you just put Betty Hill theme on anything and it's like right. yeah. sure sure right but at the time that, that's, that was high, radical, that's high satire <laughs> but 1988 that was a pretty radical concept you know? sure. yeah uh, and mo moments like that I think really work uh, I I don't even mind the hitmen slash enforcers and how they just assume that they're like an IRS records new wave band. I mean, that's hilarious to me. I'm like, that's great. I mean, like the one guy kind of leans into it and is kind of like down with it. And the other yeah, guy the only like, reason the only reason that it works is because the one guy leans into it. And yeah, like, yeah. I guess, but everyone else is kind of not on board slash yeah. disinterested. But he's kind of like, oh, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, sure. You know, like that's very funny 
<laughs> what do you guys? So, I, so I do want to ask, what do you guys think of the entire uh, Clue Gallagher? Which I, I think he's a hilarious actor, but like his whole subplot, right? Like it is a little bit superfluous or whatever, I guess. Like, uh, you know, it's uh, just a plot point, really. It's, yeah. it's, it's a reason for like why would someone be coming after these these video makers? Like, I don't know. I guess he's a video something they shouldn't have. And, and then they it. add to it by you know they're literally in the building of his daughter and yeah, they, well, and that's a decent reveal because it's said like oh well my dad got the space for me. And you, you've got to contextualize that. You know, remember when that came out? Um, so many big figures were being brought down by sex scandals at the time. It's true. That's so when was that, that, that was parody of what was, was happening um, at the time. Yeah. Was that I mean, Gary Hart? 88 was that he was the, he was Gary, the 88 uh, front runner right i think that was uh, gary hart yeah yeah you had gary hart um who was the, the who, who was the religious one? Oh, um uh the bakers yeah yeah um Jim baker Jim baker, baker yes yeah. and and it is it's a pretty hilarious joke when uh they bring the reagan voice into it and he's like yeah yeah he's like cancel my appointment with that guy but uh you know can, can you make this a little less uh a little less Static, yeah, yeah. Right? <laughs> well, and it's definitely hilarious as Clue Gallagher because, again, I mean, three years before was like uh, what uh, Return of the Living Dead, which we covered yeah. on the show, but like he was still was like a known commodity from like the Virginian and from like that era of like the Ronald where Ronald Reagan was also acting, and like it's like yeah. what a perfect guy to have in that. Uh, that is like he's which just, also like, though makes dudes. it makes it feel like they're, um, I guess like one of the complaints about like kind of forcing the whole cult uh aspect of it right like the cult film like trying yeah. to do a, a, a you know like a i guess made for made for video cult movie i guess one of the complaints is that like someone like clue gallagher right like you're bringing him in because it is return of the living dead and you wanted to re- yeah. like you want to reference that and it's like well that's a known quantity in one of these movies and this is the same year that uh they brought him back for return of the living dead 2 uh for no reason well the reason because <laughs> it was clue gallagher and because it would get attention on the movie you know yeah and, he, he was great in the first one but I mean, he's like, and he was, you know, he had a history of of doing some more edgy stuff. I mean, he's in Last Picture Show, you know. I mean, God, even The Killers, like, is is uh, that's a pretty, you know, for edgy movie. If, if they ever remake this, I would insist that they put uh, Peter Gallagher in Clue Gallagher's part. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. But not Gallagher because he's dead. <laughs> Other than that, that'd be. <laughs> oh, Peter is Clue's son. So. Okay. Is it? Oh, Peter is he really? Oh, okay. Uh, know that okay there you go all right learn something on this show <laughs> nothing to do with this movie unfortunately uh, but uh yeah. tangent i get like looking at looking at him like uh, like a picture well, of him now yeah, i can see yeah. it yeah, yeah i didn't i didn't know that but yeah are we gonna put him on a, we put him up on um <laughs> throw him on the screen throw him on the screen exactly <laughs> uh here i can i can do it so this is i don't know why i'm doing this but sure let's do yeah i mean uh, <laughs> I was I was on my way to do it, but you know, I got it. I got it. So so that's Peter Gallagher, right? That's yeah. American American Beauty. He's a player. He's great in the players. Another Tim Robbins movie, Hudson yeah. the Proxy, so on and so on. And then Peter Gallagher. Let me find him over here. Uh, okay, Clue Gallagher. I had up earlier and I moved on the same one. Let's. let's it's find disappointing. It's disappointing that I there aren't like pictures of them together. Together, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. yeah. But all right, here we go. Here's here's him on the Virginian. Let's do. Oh, also, Hudsucker Proxy with the uh, with Robbins also. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So plenty more. But if you look at him when he was especially yeah. when he was young, yeah, you can totally see yeah, it. You can totally tell. Yeah, yeah, that's funny. All right, anyway, that's a lot. That's a lot of Clue Gallagher content. <laughs> yeah, I did not have that up a bingo card. Yeah, but I think that, I think that um, yeah, it works. 
his character works as an inciting incident for why would someone set a hitman after videographers? Right. Okay. Well, if it could stop him from becoming president, okay, sure. And but then also it's the it's a huge damn. Look at look at this Clue Gallagher content. Oh, what do we got? Oh God. <laughs> wow. There he is. He's a, he's a completely different guy. There. He's sixties man. That's like when he was like Last Picture Show. Uh, yeah. Is it that that era? It, the 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 name of the file the person uploaded this with is gangster uh, gangster hyphen cool jpeg yeah like, <laughs> i agree yeah uh but but i think so it works as an inciting incident and, and it works as like the long game for the payoff of why she has this freaking gigantic <laughs> warehouse that she just does art in which again is another thing that a corollary to after hours be like how the hell do they have this freaking awesome place how do you afford that like oh yeah 80s <laughs> yeah See, and I, and I assumed that she was just doing prosperity through exploitation, you know? That's, that's such a good name for just any like, anything from the 80s. Like, they, they flash it on screen for that one second with Bobcat Goldthwait. Yeah. And it's like uh, pro- prosperity through exploitation. And it's like, I don't know. Like, I feel like I feel like the 80s, 80s comedy is like some of the most random, like, kind of smart jokes you'll ever see. And yep. then just like 16 cocaine decisions in a row. <laughs> Like, like when they start fighting, like she just busts loose the nunchucks. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, that, that, that definitely. That and definitely then she's got the knife, and then and, and it's like, is this just a delivery system for that one quote? Like, why, why, why? And like, and it doesn't even it doesn't even make sense for the situation to escalate that much that fast, right? Like, no, because that she's literally like, uh, oh, she's looking for the tape, and she's like, oh, I'm gonna bring that tape or whatever, and then she's like, yeah, you're gonna bring that tape. It's just like it's just like somebody at the line, two ninja bitches about to kill each other, and they decided to write a scene around it. Is what it seems like to me. But I don't know. Just one of those ninja with, uh, bitches a... did shoot Jr. too. So fair enough. They're, fair they're, enough. they're passing around a big pl- a plate of like the schneef. They're like they're like you know taking a little a little a little sniff of it, and they're passing it around. They're like, okay, any ideas? There are no bad ideas. It's like ah, right. it's like ninja bitches fighting each other in in the you know the, yeah. the studio yeah, we, we the, can't be bothered to say how the chauffeur is, is there from the old security guard <laughs> job but this we have time for yeah exactly <laughs> well but they don't teach you anything about how either of them knows martial arts in that it moment either it, right like yeah it's totally <laughs> yeah it's just all right. Well, I mean, now now if they made it, they would have to spend like 20 minutes explaining how they both went to like they were actually both rivals at uh, ninja school in Japan <laughs> right, right. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Or on Project Ninja. That's a whole prequel movie they're going to do. <laughs> it's, it's more of a streaming series at yeah. this point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's a prequel. It's like the Dark Crystal one. And and you'd have them, they're both like, like fucking, they're both white as fuck, but you'd have to have like the an Asian guy teach them both martial arts. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, Everybody's <laughs> Asian except for them at the, yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it's yeah. a big Iron Fist energy. Yeah. <laughs> wow, you're, you're, the one, you're the one product of colonialism that we all fuck with. Thank you for coming. Which was which was a trope back (laughs) then, which is what makes that funny. Yeah, I mean, Uh, remember? uh, I'm sorry. Go on. Oh, I was going to change subject. Go ahead. Yeah, no, no. I was just going to bring up a Chuck Norris movie. So go on. I appreciate your restraint. John Cusack character Ivan, pretty horny on Maine throughout this entire movie. But he gets head. He He does does get get head. He does get head in Hollywood Forever Cemetery. Yes. No, not not the kind you think of involving Mike Nesmith. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> but but again again with the same thing right where it's it's like a smart quote 
and then or like a smart reference and then like 16 cocaine decisions before that her speech she's talking about <laughs> william randolph hearst and like all these yeah. uh like powerful media magnets and she's like giving like this whole impassioned speech about it while he's just kind of staring at her and then he gets head fires. like it's the same kind of dynamic where it's like one actually like intelligible um kind of intelligent sentence and then like 16 cocaine decisions like, yeah absolutely. all right let's let's have him get head in this graveyard <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I mean, mm-hmm. why? Because it's cool. That's why. <laughs> Who doesn't love Graveyard? Who has it, really? Fly now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's his version of prosperity through exploitation. Let's right. do this. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, th- there's, uh, like, entire, like, plot lines that I-, I feel like are just sort of, like, you know, just going from one another. Again, the big, big Blues Brothers energy of, um, you know, going in to see them play at the bar, and 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 there's the whole like back and forth with all that, and then, then there's like like the 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 bar field sobriety test where it's like oh <laughs> recite the alphabet backwards without the vowels, and also sign it, and then they both do it, and it's like what? <laughs> like I mean, it's funny. Don't get me I wrong. I can't even but... do that sober. I think that, I mean, that's the joke, right? But it's like, but it's sort of like, why is that in there? Like, it's just because it's like, it's how do you see how, them both do it? I mean, I don't know. It's how you get, uh, you know, your, your like black, black comrades or whatever to sneak uh, out the back. You distract the white kids, the only white kids oh, that sure. hang out in this bar by sure, doing the like yeah. Z, Y, X, yeah, <laughs> that whole thing. And the, the, the line that he says before that's hilarious too. He says, uh, brothers against drunk driving have been cracking. Brothers down against drunk driving. I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> bad. <laughs> bad. AKA bad. Yeah. Um, and also that was uh, Fishbone, right? Uh, who's playing at the bar. It is Fishbone. Yeah. It, it, it's, it, but in the universe, they're called like Ratbone or something. It's called something different. They're, they're, yeah. Um, yeah. Cause they're I like mean, a country uh, band in the movie. They, they call them Bonefish in the. Bone, Bonefish. Wasn't it? Yeah. That, yeah. And they're singing some song about like race mixing. Yeah, yeah it's. <laughs> and again, that goes back to like in in uh, Repo Man, Circle Jerks doing when the shit hits the fan, but the acoustic version. Like, oh man, these guys have changed. Like, and that's like I think it's it's like a ranch ranch bone. <laughs> uh, but like it's 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 like totally like an attempt to sort of like. Just brazenly, let's do have that version of that scene. It, it's you have no idea. But it's funny. It's very, <laughs> yeah, this is very, yeah. I remember this as being a very odd and silly movie, and it, it was like this is much more bizarre than I remember it being. <laughs> yeah, because I remember uh, IFC, which is how I, I discovered this movie. IFC was like hyping it up, and I'm like, I'm like, I've never heard of this movie. I got to see this, and yeah. I watched it, and like, I'm like, uh, that that just completely. Bit by sensibilities and you know, uh, it's very much an Andy movie, and I yes. don't mean that as an insult. I mean, like, it's it's very much like a it, it seems like it'd be right down the line for you, yeah, yeah. It's like this Barb and Star, yeah. I, I for me, I came into it being like someone's like, oh, there's there's like a very funny scene that has a Devo song in it. They didn't tell me it was Baby Doll, and I was like, I probably would have like skipped it if so. And and like, I was like, oh, that is a funny scene, like, and the rest of this movie is like pretty nuts as well. But I that was before there was like this attempted sort of like, um. Because I feel like it does feel like they were trying to make a cult classic. You know what I mean? It feels like they were, they were making an attempt yeah. to make a cult classic. There are a couple of recent films like that, like uh, Repo, the genetic opera, uh, which yeah. which is fun. And I, I like it. It's just they're trying to make it a cult classic. Same thing with uh, Reefer Madness, the musical. Um, again, fun movie. <laughs> but, but, uh, like, yeah, but, but I feel like the best cult classics, the 
nobody was trying to like make a cool no. classic movie. They were they were trying to they they were trying to make a great movie and just failed spectacularly, or they were doing the best. Yeah, because that's why Rocky Horror like stands up. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. No, agreed. And and I'm not trying to like uh, it's it's just weird that. It almost seems like two movies at once, and it feels like there's satirical elements to it without it being a satire. Yeah. And then there's also just like it's an '80s comedy, like that that kind of thing, and it, like that's like the whole raison d'etre. And like I don't know, it, it's it's definitely it's doing a lot. I tell you that much. It's doing a lot. And somehow it works. Like like it doesn't work, but it works. It's not unenjoyable. I mean, it took the music for it very seriously as well. Yeah, it's, it's working on that level too. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and I think that's uh, that's that's notable. I mean, I, again, I ultimately, I, whenever they have like people from punk rock or whatever, and it's like they automatically have an English accent. This is a big '80s thing. I, I just I hate it. I hated every part of it. So when like you have Steve Beaters as uh, I believe Dick Slammer, I believe is the character. <laughs> Slammer everybody. Yes. <laughs> Which at that point, Dead Boys were long over. It was uh, Lords of the New Church. But like that whole thing is sort of like, ah, okay. But like, again, the whole point is to show that they're, when given this opportunity, like, you know, they don't know how to work a crane. They, it's kind of ineptitude. But that through random happenstance, they end up being the only ones that have video footage of these guys that, you know, it's this national tragedy that that they die and that's their premiere and that's their big break. And again, it's basically November rain, right? <laughs> It's with, like, with with a funeral instead, and it, you know that's funny, and that's that's a that's a great sight. If the whole thing was that, I think that like is it's a different kind of movie, yeah. and it may be a little less madcap, but like you don't just get the like the production values in its TNA is like that that doesn't land for me. It's like that that's good for like a two second joke, and like it's like two minutes. It's like okay, get it. Yes, those are definitely lots of butts and yeah. and chess. Great, wonderful. Yeah, I, think I don't know. Am I am I off my base here? I mean, like, is it like I like I like him as much as the next guy, but you know, I'm just saying that like it's like, all right, yeah, yeah, well, like like are, it almost wants to satirize the exact same thing it's trying to embody. At the same there time. were a lot of early videos on MTV that did look like that though, so it was it. That is true. It was very I, much a parody of that. As did the opening of Miami Vice. Now that I'm thinking yeah. about it, so yeah. <laughs> Wait, that, but, like, that wasn't the opening of Miami Vice. <laughs> I think it might have been. I don't know. It's, it's, it's all they all run together at a certain point. Yeah. Uh, but then, how, wow, we've gotten this long. Like the Roscoe's video is amazing. Yes. Like that's gold, right? And that, Absolutely. I mean, what can what more is there to say? The fact that it's like it goes on for a surprising amount of time, and it's in the credits. Yeah, yeah. An extended <laughs> Cause version because they, they know what they have, and they know that people are going to be like, "Oh, it's, it's the Roscoe's guy again." All right. <laughs> yes. Which uh, is just absolutely incredible because it's it's uh, until Black Dynamite. This was my favorite Roscoe chicken waffle joke. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's in a bunch of them. Uh, for. East Coast and foreign listeners, real place. You can go to it, and and you, it's pretty good. It's good. It's all my bucket list. Yeah. <laughs> what are um, these days? What are these days? I'll get out to California. Chicken bucket. That is. Thank you. Yes. Uh, yeah. I don't know. What, what do you think, Mike? Does it work as a satire? Is it a satire? Is it just like a rock comedy? You know, it's definitely making fun of the the music industry at the time. Yeah. Um, and definitely making fun of MTV. Uh, it's a satire wrapped in a zany madcap '80s comedy. Um, I, I think it's leaning more into zany madcap than it is to satire. 
It's almost like they, they watch that one video, right? And uh, he's all stupid, inane, vapid, mind rot, stench, pablum. Yeah, it's all right. You know, it's like that kind of. That's almost like a self-reflective moment of of, of what uh, you know what is being examined, if not satirized, exactly within the within within the movie itself. And at the heart of it, you know, you strip away all of the satire and you strip away the zany madcap. It's a movie about two guys that want to revive the careers of someone that inspired them. And, you know, it's a good that's a that's a good storyline. It's a good through line for the movie. Uh, I think that's a, part of why it holds up. Yeah. And like I said, it's a pretty I mean, it's a pretty common story element. It's, yeah. it's happened many times in many other ways, many times over the years. But I mean, it does work yeah. again. Just the confusing thing is that, like. The characters basically swap roles after they get fired, yeah. <laughs> which I just don't understand at all. The fact that like they maybe they just have that quite figured out yet, um, but yeah, it's fine. I, you know, and it's you know, there's uh, like what's it? All good things come in threes, and there's like no it's celebrity deaths that come in threes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. that's funny. That's good. That's, no, that's funny. Such great dialogue in this whole movie. Just, just it's you extremely know. quotable. Literally throughout the entire nineties, yeah. me and my roommates were quoting this movie. We're free to pursue our destiny. What abysmal failure! <laughs> Negativity. Hey, you can't pin that on us. Yeah, that's great. Exactly. <laughs> teach me to read. Sign my butt. <laughs> yeah, teach me to read. <laughs> that's, that's pretty pretty great. Yeah. Now they're pointing machine guns at us. Yeah. Yeah, it's very quotable. Yeah, it's just it's 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 wild to think about where everyone was in their career around this too like it's sort of like like tim robbins kind of became like an indie darling you know yeah. for a while and uh i mean i think there, there was very earnest efforts to make um john cusack like the leading man of all leading men for all time and that kind of seemed to work for a while mm -hmm. and then sort of maybe not so much but it's just it's just bizarre. It's just it's it's just a bizarre movie. Well, because think think of uh, Bull Durham was like uh, before this, before this, right? They both came out in '88. It's about the same time. Yeah, I was gonna say, yeah. couldn't be more different <laughs> movies. But like that was definitely like you know, uh, now granted, like uh, Kevin Costner is like the the main guy there, but Tim Robbins was like you know he's bring, he's bringing the lumber on that one, and mm -hmm. it's a very different kind of movie. And then you have yeah. freaking Jacob's Ladder. Amazing, a couple of years later, but like, uh, you know, before you get into like all that, you know, the player and, and so on and uh, oh, yeah. the Altman stuff. Um, yeah, he was just like a guy that was like, he's like theater kid or something, if I remember correctly, uh, from the beginning. But anyway. This was two years after Howard the Duck, too. Howard the Duck, damn. <sighs> yeah, man. That is... Uh, well, that's that. That's probably like in in their. Um, so we wanted to make it like Repo Man, but we don't want to make it like Howard the Duck. <laughs> well, I mean, one thing y'all don't quite necessarily realize, and Mike probably does, but but uh, most most people watching, like Howard the Duck was huge in the seventies uh, and eighties, like like uh, among comic fans. So like like, uh, and it was like people who didn't read comics would read Howard the Duck. It was a sure. newspaper comic strip, like like. Like it, it was it was it had this reach that no, nobody, and then that movie came out and killed the character Howard the Duck. Yeah. Um. And the the story behind it's actually a lot more fascinating. But that is a whole other, that that's a podcast unto itself. But like 
Um, you know, the history you of Howard a, the Duck. You should do a, a, a true crime Howard the Duck podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. It's like, hey, Mike, you want to you want to do that? <laughs> do it like pre, do it like pre-recorded and be like, who killed Howard the Duck? <laughs> <laughs> the answer would be Seth Green. No. Um, <laughs> well, it's wild that like Leah Thompson did uh, like Back to the Future and then Howard the Duck. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh. and then and then she said Back to the Future too, I, and really only because it's, it's like, I, I don't know what are we gonna do with her. I don't know, just stick her by the dumpster. She'll be good over there for a while. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? It's like, oh yeah, we really didn't think there was gonna be a sequel, so we weren't thinking, we weren't thinking about it. Anyway, what do you guys? That, think that about, always cracks me up. Uh, Michael Michael Nesmith as like promoter for these movies, right? Like he he puts himself front and center. Um, as like the promotional, like there, there's a video that I saw where he does like a half an hour long promotion special that was, I, I guess for TV or something. Uh, like I don't know how else people would have injected because well, like, he was consumed it at that point. He was still again. The thing to remember is like even though the monkeys were like like a long time before, he was still no like the monkeys were like known. It was like people they were just like in the zeitgeist. And when well, did they, well they uh, had monkeys had their big revival in 86. 80 yeah. I was yeah. just going to I was going to look Thanks it up before I said MTV it. But, also, yeah. but MTV yeah. started showing like the monkeys again. So there was this mm-hmm. whole like other thing of like, oh, yeah, this is uh And unlike the rest of the ca- uh the cast of the monkeys, he he kind of stuck around to the music industry. You know, he was in Nashville right. recording a bunch of stuff and uh you know, he has a vast catalog. I mean, uh, you know, to, to, to go look at if, if you uh, want to. This ain't uh, like Dallas. Out... This is Nashville. <laughs> but, well, but if you yeah, want to check I mean... out, you know, uh, his music, like like uh, after the monkeys, it's it's interesting stuff. Uh, not my favorite, uh, but but but, you but know. he puts himself uh, kind of front and center to uh, promote this movie. Right. In a way that like. You know, like he didn't ask uh, John Cusack or Tim Robbins or anybody that's actually in it to do right. Like he didn't like there, there's no um, there's no promotion of them as the center point of, the, of, you know, of these like of this movie. Right. Like there's no like they didn't send them around for interviews, but you can see tons of interviews of uh, Michael Nesmith like on TV promoting this movie. He did like this little special where he's like, um like front and center and he's at his house and he's like walking around explaining what they were trying to do with this movie and what he thinks it's going to be. Like he put himself as like the, the, you know, the, the real promotional point of this, which is kind of a fascinating yeah. thing. I don't think many producers really do that. Right. Like, cause he's, he's not the one that's writing it. He's not the one that's directing it. He's literally, he's the money guy behind it, but he wanted it to succeed. And that's why he put like, yeah, put literally put money towards these like bizarre uh, projects and then, like, put his reputation on the line of being like, this is something you should check out. Yeah. In the same way that, like, tried to do with Head, and that didn't really work out. But, like, just being All the like, ads at the time were Michael Nesmith Presents. Right. And, and uh, think about, like, uh, was it Holy Grail, right? Monty Python. Like, when they were trying to get that, that movie made, like, you know, it's the same sort of deal. They just went to all their friends who happened to be in these, like, rock and roll bands. That, yeah, like, which uh, George Harrison <laughs> was the... Uh... Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. And uh, that was just... Hey, we ain't gonna get this any other way, uh, you know. And you know, it's like if you can get it from uh, whatever Jethro Tull and Led Zeppelin and Pink Floyd, great, do it. Yeah, know? get that Beatles money. Exactly. <laughs> but he wasn't necessarily like friends with Bill Fishman, right? Like, there's no, no. A, but he, but whole... he was. But the thing is, he was actually a supporter of weird art. Yeah. Yeah. And he was. He saw promise in him. So. But uh, yeah, so this is him talking about his role as executive producer on stuff. Nice. 
this is a uh, this is a fully realized creative vision. Uh, it's the power of the idea and back of it. If somebody comes and waves their waves their arms and talks to you about some fabulous thing that could conceivably happen, you have to know. You have to see in their. In, I have to see in their in their minds that all the pieces are are put together, mm -hmm. and uh, that if there are pieces that aren't put together, that they will fall into place at some point. Um, so when that happens, when somebody talks to you about something that they know what they're talking about, there's a certain truth to it, a reality to it, um, a little light goes off. You just know. And there's also a light that goes off when they talk to you about stuff they don't know what they're talking about. You know, one's red, one's green. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and the green one said, yeah, follow this out. And that's what happened with Take That mm -hmm. Now, this is really, I mean, in the age we're in right now, high-tech videos, uh, the music TV channels, uh, HD. TV coming in and as we go into the 90s I mean this is, it was perfect timing for this movie isn't it? I mean you couldn't have asked for a better time yeah well I but I think we've sort of fell into a tub of butter with that I mean there's a lot of people who say that gee you know you invented the music video well what happened was I started doing music videos at the beginning when other people started doing music videos too I didn't invent the music video there was a half a dozen people out there working in the forum I just happened to be there at the right time same thing with tape hits yeah, it's perfect timing, but it was not anything we planned. Yeah. And, and, as, and as far as executive producer, a lot of people see that, Michael, and they, and they don't really know what those duties are, what you have to go through. How much creative input did you have with the production of this film? Well, it's sort of like the Queen's veto. Uh, <clears throat> you sit at the top of the creative pyramid, but you really, you have to leave everybody alone. I mean, you can't. Uh, and, and so the result was that I had virtually no creative input into it. I just had, I trust Bill Fishman. I trusted Peter McCarthy. And, uh, and I knew that they would come up with a good, uh, with, with something good. Uh, I couldn't have backed it up uh, just myself. And, it, you know, it's a, there, there are dozens of people who come together to make something like this happen. Brandon Tartikoff over at NBC was my partner in this thing uh, from a financial standpoint. Um, I had a lot of support from the creative community with a lot of agents who brought, you know, all of John Cusack's agent who says you know, he'll do the film. And, and as an executive producer, you sit at the intersection for that and try to steer everybody or steer all these, these energies into the right place so that it can help the film. But in terms of actually making a decision and saying, no, don't do that, I won't have that, it, it really is the Queen's veto. You, you, when you exercise that, you do more damage than you do good for the most part. So you just basically sit quiet and let the thing unfold. Mm -hmm. Now, in the past uh, several years, you've, been, you've had your own video company. You've done a lot with video. Uh, I know you're going to do video publishing is one of, one of the things that's coming up in the future. Going back, going, let's go back to the, just for a couple questions to the, to the 60s and the time you know, of, of national prominence with the monkeys and uh, that whole time period in your life. Most people just do executive producer to put their name on something and look cool, but some people actually, you know, fight for yeah. it. Yeah, executive producer Dick Wolf. Dun dun. <laughs> exactly. Well, I name. mean, like, by like, the way, if my name was Dick Wolf, it'd be on everything. And anyway, my name isn't Dick Wolf, but it's on everything. But it would definitely I'm, be if it's called Dick Wolf. I'm the Dick Wolf. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was so like, I was like, that's an alias, right? I was like, no, his name is Dick Wolf. Like, wow. His name is Dick Wolf, and he really, really, really likes cops. And it's like, yeah. Oh, all right. This is <laughs> no idea. <laughs> but Better I than mean, having you, your you name kinda, be, wolf, be Wolf Dick, I guess. You you kind of need someone <laughs> to help you 
move something like this along. Because if you try to explain, yeah, what is it you're doing again? Yeah. Well. <laughs> yeah. Because, I mean, there, there's a couple different ways you can executive produce. Uh, like, like for example, you know, Stan Lee had his name as executive producer on a lot of things. Yeah. And he didn't do anything. Uh, I mean, yeah. in the 80s, that's a bit of a different story. Uh, I'm going to, you know, he was actually very active in getting stuff made in the 80s. But but in the past, like, uh, you know, look, look at any of the Marvel movies. Now that, that you know, like they, well, they hologrammed him in some of them. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you know, uh, <laughs> like, but his name is there uh, so they could pay him uh, because, you know, uh, honestly, a lot of those people from the, you know, uh, from the comic book industry deserve to be paid and should have executive producer titles, uh, you know, and get that kind of money. But um, then there's people like uh, uh, Richard Dean Anderson on Stargate, who, who literally like was there in the meetings, which are not exciting, but like. You know, uh, being being you know there to kind of get the 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 show funded and whatnot, and and get it sold and and uh, uh, you know give it life basically. And so you know, yeah, that's a you know actually active way if a, uh, somebody who's you know um, as a marquee name uh, being an executive producer. And uh, I mean, uh, uh, Gabe actually talked a little bit about this because he's a consulting producer on the upcoming uh, Dresden Sun uh, with Christina Ricci. And uh, which is a little bit of a different uh, job. Uh, you know, it's a, you know, not well, executive producer is, is also sometimes um, like some people are really good at just raising money for projects. Right. Like, yeah, there are people that are like really good at just kind of going out and being like, hey, you know, like uh, friends that. I do cocaine with, um, like, uh, <laughs> until I, I start off my phone call. I know you guys have tons of money laying around and I'm doing this project. Like, and I feel like something like repo man or, sure. um, a lot of like Alex Cox's stuff, right? Like there really needs to be somebody putting that money aside for them because yeah. it's such a, like these become such insane projects. I mean, it's a little bit different when you have NBC kind of producing this as like a more mainstream yeah. version of like a cult film. I think that money is already kind of secured because you have like a, a big company behind it but like well with a lot of this like this indie stuff right when you're coming from the indie side of that industry what an executive producer does a lot of times is is raise the funding from you know yeah. and 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 secure distribution really and, and that's why people you know flocked like a24 you know when they see mm -hmm. see that name and michael nesmith was like the a24 of the 80s which by the way it's a little uh it's a little <laughs> sus that a24 manages to uh completely make the deal that you know sag is asking for right like they're able to sign away and say hey we're willing to pay our actors that much but like you know disney and fox and all those yeah. companies oh yeah aren't. they can't cool. yeah exactly yeah. Oh, it turns <laughs> out maybe it's not about that hmm. <laughs> but um yeah i mean it, it's kind of it, it's kind of fascinating how much that like I've, I've always felt this and i've talked to you guys about this before like how how much those the title of executive producer can really vary based on it, like, well it's it's yeah. like the, it can mean a number of things yeah it's I not mean, a like, one size fits all term. It, it could mean that you sexually harassed and edited the film to death if it, uh, Harvey Weinstein's on it. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. And it, it, it kind of uh, makes it it kind of makes it like a dream a dream job to just uh have the the, the title executive producer like attached mm -hmm. to my name one day if I'm if I ever all get need is if, don't I'm ever, money. if I'm ever lucky enough because it would just it would just be very funny to try to explain to people what that is and be like Hey, you don't need to know. Listen, I'm here, right? I'm I'm here behind this velvet line, and you're yeah. not. Like, uh, I mean, technically, I'm an executive producer in the music industry, but that's that's a whole other story. Don't ask me how. I didn't get any dump trucks of money either. That's right. You should have been uh, DJ Andrew World. 
apparently like a lot of the like the in in rap and stuff right like the people that go by dj they've just like produced a couple songs and then you can add dj to your name for whatever fucking reason yeah. so like you could have you should have done that and then been like yeah i'm dj andrew world yeah i, I could do that from now on yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. um but yeah i mean i i think that that's I, I feel like the, the difference between like this movie though and like Repo Man is kind of fascinating because it's it's literally the same uh, like team behind like pushing it right and getting it into the like right. so when so when he talks about getting NBC behind it it's kind of like this uh, huge step up in the in the sense of like mainstream financial like security right like um, because essentially what Alex Cox was doing with Repo Man is he was just out of fucking film school this is like his first you know his first project he's like 26 I think when he made it. And this is, I mean, this is also Bill Fishman's first movie. Like he's never, you know, this is his directorial debut, but like he's, they, they've kind of done it on a, on a bigger scale and the amount of kind of uh, people that they've gotten into it just for like five seconds or whatever really shows that, right? Like yeah. with, with Alex Cox getting a bunch of fucking cameos, it's because he's like friends with the people and he's kind of like, you know, in the underground. And in this case, a lot of these are kind of phoned in, uh, <laughs> phoned in. Cameos. Well, yeah. I mean, you got Peter McCarthy, right? Who's the, um, producer and co-writer and like he you worked on Sid and Nancy and stuff and in Repo Man too I think and, and it's but it definitely seems like can you get so and so yeah 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 I think so and then like that that was like the conceit of well we, that's the only idea we had is to get yeah. them and have them be in the movie well what are we gonna yeah. do with Weird Al I, I yeah, we'll have him like shove John Cusack yeah, exactly. Weird Al could you shove John Cusack yeah. sure, sure. <laughs> why not but there, and then, then that's also like uh, you know different like lineages this movie is kind of I mean UHF is another like is definitely another movie that this is right. kind of uh, related to right and oh. Revo Man so like it's kind of interesting that they pulled all this talent from those other projects to be like this is kind of the culmination of our uh, cult movie. I mean, I don't think well, that's what Bill Fisher was trying to do, but like, this is almost like the culmination no. of all of these different. But but it, but it, but it is, but yeah. it is because like, I mean, look at the Junior Walker and Sam Moore Swanky Boats thing. That's that's Blues Brothers. That yeah. is the Blues Brothers, except for they aren't they aren't playing yeah. music. They're just fans of the music. Like, and it's like, all right, you know, fine. Like, there's there's nothing well, they're, wrong they're with like, getting, on, getting on the actual R and B legends to like be in your film of, and like having that cool. But it's. It's just like a little bit of pastiche. Yeah, it's, and they were it's, like, it's like taking the Blues Brothers, like it's taking the movie with Blues Brothers, and instead of focusing on the Blues Brothers, you focus on yeah. the guys that like film the music. Yeah, the fanboys. Right. Exactly. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, no, Using right. actual R&B legends from the Smacky Mo's yeah. and all right. the different stuff. So that would never it, work. It would never. In a million years, that that, that whole storyline would not have worked if... No. if uh, if it was Dan Aykroyd and <laughs> John Belushi. And actually, the singles that they cut for the Swanky Modes really hold up pretty well. Are pretty good, yeah. Uh, well, and it's... Apart from the, the overproduced 80s you know, production on them, right. I, I would love to hear someone strip out the vocals and reproduce those in like a stacked record kind of yeah. sound. Well, I, and like, and I keep harping on it, but like, you know, Sam Moore, Sam yeah. and Dave. Yeah. He also wrote Soul Man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> No, li like literally the, the song. Literally, he wrote the goddamn yeah. song. You know, Walker, like, you know, shotgun. Yeah, yeah, and it's and it's, but it's, but it's not so much. It's like a ripoff. Like it isn't like the GoBots version of of like uh, <laughs> Blues Brothers or like Repo Man or anything. But it's it's taking like like a magpie from these different things that are like cool, uh, you know, not even art house, just kind of like cult culty kind of movies that are celebrating these weird pockets of freak factor stuff it's a little bit like what quentin tarantino does like in its rawest form 
Sure. Yeah. Well, and something that I think is really interesting that I don't really want to play, like it's like a four minute clip that I found and just woke, like it's just voice. So I'll try to summarize. But uh, a, a big challenge of this movie is that John Cusack and Tim Robbins are both obviously very impro- improvisational yeah, actors right. at this time, right? Like as comedic actors. And uh, Junior Walker and Sam Moore like are not right. Like like they right they have to they kind of insist on saying with the script. And I think Bill Fishman wanted the script stayed too because obviously it's you know he wrote it and it's the thing he wanted to direct and you know. But like having to rein in uh, John Cusack and Tim Robbins while also kind of sticking to two two R and B legends that have never really acted um, like in a movie before, especially who are like, great. Like, yeah. like let's be clear, yeah, they, they do an awesome job. They, they are fantastic. But, uh, but that, I guess that, that was, was a big problem in Blues Brothers, too, of, of like you have these like legendary musicians who like have never acted in their life, you know, and like some of them like, you know, they some of them did a better job than others. And you, know, that's... you have Aretha Franklin just appear from the back uh, from the kitchen to yeah. be like, right, right, right. And, and then you also have like like Martha Quinn is just in this. As Martha Quinn, oh, yeah. it's like, oh yeah. no, you just be Martha Quinn. Okay, well, she knows how to do that. No, we no, gotta, no. we gotta do a, Blue, a Blues Brothers episode one day. I would love to. I, I that's a, <laughs> that movie's great. We should do it as a protonic crossover, like the the same kind of thing that we <laughs> did do, with do uh, crossover with, with sure. Spinal Tap, like yeah. Um, which I, I think that this movie also kind of taps into like the lineage of something like Spinal Tap, not in the sense yeah. that it's uh, like in the in the sense that like these are two very different moments in music history. I think. Where um, you know it's like kind of riffing off the 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 two different uh, points of it. Like I I think that like this is like the production side. This is as kind of music video, uh, mu- like as as music and video kind of collaborate into this weird bite sized thing that we're still kind of living in the wake of now with uh, how we consume content versus um, you know the longer the longer concert uh tapes i guess or like you know uh rock documentaries of like the spinal tap era yeah yeah i mean it's like right at the the dawning of that um you know and there really was a before and after spinal tap which of course is 84 but like that's still fresh that was like just a few years ago at the time of this yeah because i mean spinal tap is really is is working um hard to parody things that kind of happened a lot of times in the 60s and 70s right like uh the bob dylan uh, music videos where people would just kind of take a camera and follow Bob Dylan around or like the Beatles around yeah. or the Pennebaker stuff. Yeah. Uh, the yeah. Russell thing, the band, uh, the the band, the movie, I can't uh, think of right now, but yeah, yeah. All, all those kinds of things. Yeah. Scorsese's one where he kind of, uh, the last waltz. Last yeah. waltz. Yeah. Uh, thank you. I could not think of that for the life of me. Um, but yeah, the, this is kind of the more bite-sized uh, pop cultural uh, version of this which I, I think we're we're very much living in the still in like kind of the post mtv moment where it's you know i mean i think you can t- draw a direct line between like the music video era of mtv and kind of the the fully accessed gate is open but at the same time it's um like these platforms like youtube or twitch or like well not really twitch but like youtube or like um you know like vimeo like platforms like that kind of now gatekeeping what people end up seeing because there's such a flood of uh possibilities of things you can discover that number one you can discover something from like a band that you've never heard of before out of nowhere but at the same time there's all these mechanisms now where it was just kind of mtv or something like that before and what mtv is the instead of mtv is gatekeepers the algorithm that's yeah that's a difference and what what force is saying is go check out code and neutron and secret friends (laughs) (laughs) yeah please see now i added the band great music uh, videos on youtube that you can you can find and i added the band camp uh you know the uh the band camp link to my uh 
to my intros, you know, like, that. which is going to yeah. come in handy when I can finally announce this new damn record that we're doing. But anyway, whatever. <laughs> one of these shows. Yeah, he's one like, of these shows off the he's tour got a bunch of the vaults, and uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's coming out of the vault soon. This is, this is this is the equivalent of the big things coming announcement. You know? <laughs> All right, why don't you just tell us when the things are here? Okay, cool. <laughs> I I like uh, I like like a lot of times rappers do this i guess but like a lot of times they'll like make an announcement like i know you've i know i've been really quiet lately i've been moving in silence but big things are coming soon it's right, like right, right, i right, haven't yeah. noticed no actually like, i didn't you know, notice that at all <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't paid it's like it was really? you're always, you, you, every time you're in front of a camera you're doing this yeah yeah exactly. <laughs> so it seems like you were just kind of doing normal stuff that you do but okay if you say so <laughs> I, I saw you at like the you know the mtv music video awards or the vh1 video yeah. awards the other day like you seemed like you weren't really moving in silence you talked to the person on the red carpet <laughs> it seems but, like you're yeah. quite the chatterbox frankly <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, it'd be amazing if they like dressed all in black and tried to sneak past the uh the red carpet you know? <laughs> like, like, dressed like an actual ninja yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. it's not me i'm moving in silence i feel like aubrey plaza might do that <laughs> she probably would yeah but she wouldn't do that because she's moving in. she would just do that because it's awkward to have to talk to like uh yeah she wouldn't make an announcement about it though yeah. she would just no. be like yo was there a ninja at the, at the academy awards <laughs> that'd be awesome oh, aubrey man. you have that one on free that, yes that's, i can charge for that <laughs> uh, by the way i'm not even sure who who this is in this like when when she's mike you can jump in anytime you want this is oh, not sure. important business yeah yeah yeah. when, when she when when they're in the limousine and it's like the menudo guy that's like their agent or whatever yeah that's somebody that I should know, I feel like, but I don't, I didn't recognize who that is. Hmm. Yeah, he's like, oh, Menudo. Like, there's, I think there's. <laughs> yeah, because he like shifted, he had his hat on and then he took it off yeah. and became a very different character. And it was just really weird. Uh, like that scene. And yeah, I, like I, I know what you mean. Yeah, and I feel like. I remember Lyle Alzado's in this, which was, was surprising. I was like, oh, yeah, Lyle Alzado. Forgot about that dude. He's all over the 80s stuff. <laughs> This is, this is like their menudo. Do you even know who that is for us, Lyle Alzado? I, I don't. I don't. I don't. Oh, I'm moving, yeah. I'm he he right. was like a dude from the NFL. He was in the I was, I was just trying to move in silence past it. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 He was, the, he was the, in the Raiders. Like, yeah. Yeah. He, he was the dad. Cancer, which was pretty, um, yeah, fucked up. Yeah. 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 Um, and, and, and like he was one of those guys that would just get brought in to be in a movie just to be like, look, Lyle Alzado's in this. You know, it was like that was like the sum. Like he's in like an earnest movie, for a reason I'm not entirely certain. I don't really remember. You know, like he, I, I, he was just a guy that was around in stuff, and like people like, you know, oh, it's him. It's like it's that guy. Anyway, Lyle like there, there's an episode of it's Gary, it's Gary Shandling show where like Gary Shandling literally brings him on to make fun of that concept, <laughs> which is pretty hilarious. But Lyle Alzado, thank you. He, ladies and gentlemen, it's limbo time. Yeah, <laughs> I do not remember who the the you, you were saying it was the. Menudo yeah, I'm trying. I'm trying to find. I'm looking through the. Yeah, I'm yeah, the same here. I did want to bring up that that uh, uh, the guy who uh, sexually molested all the kids on Nickelodeon was in this movie. Oh, which one was that? Um, even that guy. Yeah, the guy. The guy who was in uh, uh, head of the class. Wow. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, because that's all I know him as is Dennis Ann London. Fishman? Is is that it? Is it could be. <laughs> I, I don't know. I appreciate I appreciate that uh 
I don't think that um, Sam Moore and Junior Walker were in very many movies after uh, after this either. So their IMDb pictures are from this movie. Nice. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm looking. I'm looking. We didn't hear about Cube Squared. No, kidding. <laughs> um. So you've thrown out some movies that share similar DNA to tape heads. I'm going to throw one out that you haven't mentioned. All right. Because um, it's got the same. Um, the generically Dan, evil... Dan Schneider. Yeah, okay. Dan, yeah. That's it, Dan Schneider. Um, generically evil guy is trying to kill the hero. Hero <laughs> falls in love with the generically evil guy's daughter. There's music involved. Joe's apartment. Joe's apartment. Oh, Joe's apartment. wow. Yo, Jerry okay. O'Connell, right? Yes. Yeah. I guess I, I guess I didn't. I guess there is no reason to know who this guy is. So the guy that I was trying to reference is Cody Mundy. Right. I guess okay. that's the oh, that name, name actually the, sounds familiar. That's that's yeah. the guy that the Menudo agent. Yeah, he's he's done a lot. Wasn't Joe's apartment like off? Wasn't that based off like an MTV sketch off of like yes. television yeah. or yeah. something? Yeah, because I, I remember it being like. Yeah, it's also got the the the, the MTV uh, you know background on the, it as the MTV well. Connection, yeah. They, yeah. This, <laughs> the movies have some cockroaches like were charming and like dancing around and had like yeah, yeah okay I, I remember yeah. this now yeah okay <laughs> yeah by the way wild. I've never seen a cockroach <laughs> dance around and be charming to be clear but well you got to get him in groups. when I went to when I went to Texas uh, and stayed there in the hotel right there's more there's more uh, cockroaches in Texas than any other state there was there was one hanging out in the jacuzzi in the fucking hotel room that I was, <laughs> was he just sitting there with a hat. Yeah, he, he, like seemed, he, seemed, he seemed a tiny bit charming. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> he was dancing around. Yo, he he, he tried to, he tried to do the thing where the '80s movie thing where you bring all the people in for a party, right? Yeah. <laughs> and it goes, it's a crazy party. He's so he's like, he's like, like, hey everybody, it's limbo time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> in Joe's apartment, the crazy party is thrown by the cockroaches. So, but yeah, right. again, more similarities. Right, it's all good. It's all good was, people. Was was Limbo like? Because I, I feel like Lim- Limbo I, I feel like was a, a of... big deal. Yeah, and then everyone acted like it had not been a big deal for multiple years. Like it was, it was like it was disappeared quicker than the Swing Revival. As far as yeah, I remember, <laughs> like being in sixth grade, it like it was Limbo. Yeah. Yeah, everyone. Because there's a bunch of fucking, uh, I think eight like '80s and early '90s movies, like late yeah. '80s, early '90s movies. Where, Every time you um, went to the roller rink, they did the limbo. It, at some, back back to yeah. the beach, I think was the big uh, movie that yeah. kind of like uh, uh, brought it back, if I remember correctly. Which is a, uh, I don't. Would you would you put it in the same milieu as this? Like, eh, I mean, I it's it's just back to the beach. Not I don't really. know. It was yeah. such a weird movie, though. It was just, you know, cocaine decisions. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's uh, probably the biggest rising. corollary. Yeah, the cocaine. <laughs> um, but it was a weird, you know, it had lots of cameos and, and musicians, but like they were all specifically 60s musicians as opposed to, uh, you know, punk rock, you know, right, 50s right. and 60s uh, uh, performers. Uh, they had the big Pee Wee Herman uh, number. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, apparently, 1950s is when the limbo, yeah, kind of became popular in America. But it was definitely like, it, why was it just like ubiquitous, like around like when I was in high school? Is what I don't understand. Like, I don't know. I know people feeling nostalgic that. for the 80s and the 90s. Oh, uh, 60s nostalgia was big in the 80s. 
That's true. But like, why the limbo specifically? Now I want to know. Hmm. Why? Why? Why was the limbo popular? Is the first thing to come up. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was that Chubby Checker song, and and like th there was uh, yeah. a big Chubby Checker revival in the late '80s too. Right. Um, oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't remember exactly why, but I know uh, Fat Boys covered him. Uh, uh, oh, right. In the late '80s, Chubby Checker re-recorded um, the, the Twist. Twist. Okay, and yeah. did an appearance on Quantum Leap. Ah. Uh, Right. Wow. Yo, another another movie with the limbo thing that came out also in 1988, Beetlejuice, right? Like, yep. Yeah. Well, that's that's what I was gonna say it until I could figure out if like where the patient zero of the limbo yeah. coming back was. Yeah. But that's um, what I was thinking of because that was huge. The Chubby Checker song, uh, the limbo song that he did, uh, right. was on the Moonlighting soundtrack. Limbo rock. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, where was it? Yeah, no, no, it was the Moonlighting soundtrack, which, which, uh, you know, had Bruce Willis had some uh, songs on there, which is pretty good. Right. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, I remember Bruce Willis at one point during Moonlighting screaming, "Let's limbo!" Yeah, or something along those lines. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Hey, everyone was limboing, man. I yeah. Why? Yeah, yeah, I mean, limbo became big in the '80s again. Yeah. Yeah. Probably all the cocaine. Yeah. But I do, I do like it. Um, I do like it as like, uh, like the limbo part of it is when they're in like the the rich like house, right? Like it's like the people oh, that are yeah, so, yeah. The, so totally bored with their lives. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's the people that are like so bored with their lives or whatever, and, and try to do a fancy party thing that like limbo is something that's like exotic to them almost, right? Like yeah. <laughs> instead of a dance created around basically the tight spaces using slave ships, which is like yeah. really how it originated. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow yeah, no that, no that's really yeah. how it, that that's why i was like Where, what brought this back because it just was everywhere it was like yeah. in that john waters movie it was in like uh Beetlejuice. like it was crazy yeah this like, weird what? calypso revival in the 80s and, and i don't know yeah yeah hair, uh, yeah hairspray yeah yeah that was, was that also 80 oh okay cool okay yeah that sounds right yeah 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 because yeah, there's a there's a great video uh <laughs> On YouTube, talking about the use of Harry Belafonte's music and it both Hairspray and uh, Beetlejuice. Why was the limbo in so many movies in 1988? <laughs> <laughs> it's like the Macarena or something. It was like it was, uh, the Muppets you know? limboed in the 70s as well, and on one of the episodes of the TV show. Well, that's easy to do with puppets, right? Like, I mean, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I would not want. I would not want to limbo against one of the Muppets because nope. they're so much smaller than me. And well, they don't yeah. have any bones, so I bet they're gonna win. I mean, other than hand bones. But, yeah. You know. Yeah, exactly. I hope they don't. I don't know. Maybe they do. I've never forensically analyzed one, vivisected one. <laughs> On the next movie, I have a Ganza. It's an alien autopsy, but with Gonzo. <laughs> it's, like, it's like a Cronenberg movie, but like a Muppet. It's like this thing rib cage. It's just open. felt everywhere. That's funny, yeah, though. The chubby, chubby checker. It's a classic uh, after party material, by the way. <laughs> Chubby Checker both, you know, is, is big for the <laughs> twist and doing his own cover of the Limbo song. So they're kind of, I mean, I guess it's overlapping things, right? Like, yeah, okay. Well, there you but, go. I mean, that, those are both things that John Waters grabbed uh, grabbed hard for uh, for Hairspray. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. You know, and it was, it was kind of like the uh, Lydia character in Beetlejuice, like, it's a good shorthand way to show like how like not 
in 1980s culture she was like you know she would like she liked that stuff I was like, okay good yeah right on it's different no one's doing that Tell i kind of i kind of loved the hairspray's like uh john waters the closest thing he could get to like a mainstream movie right like yeah. It has like Divine as her mom, like <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, like, I mean it's, it's pretty tame compared to like uh yeah. you know well not just tame though, like it's something. it's mainstreamed, right? Like it's oh, yeah. something that like uh can be ingested by like a mainstream audience and like yeah, it's still but it's still a fucking weird movie. And like so for oh, John Waters to be like, Oh, this is my version of like uh I mean in some ways I guess his version of like a tape heads, like his cult classic that you know, a lot of people can watch as like a mainstream success <laughs> but, but you know bringing it back to what we we're talking about earlier that like that wasn't in, you know that became a cult hit and i because uh you know hairspray was not a mainstream hit uh but it was you know one of water's bigger uh successes but but you know it's maintained a, that cult hit status because it wasn't trying to be a cult movie it was trying, to be, was trying movie. to be a mainstream right. yeah it's definitely his it's his, it, it was Really, his only major attempt to be. I mean, ah, maybe, oh, maybe, uh, maybe, maybe Cry yeah. Baby, Serial Mom, maybe, yeah. yeah. Uh, but like, uh, John Waters Pecker, yeah. <laughs> when you were typing hairspray, people also ask, Why is Edna a man in hairspray? It's <laughs> like the first question, <laughs> tradition, <laughs> and then you go, What kind of woman is Edna? <laughs> awesome. Rules. We're uh, we're 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 progressing, I guess, right? <laughs> exactly. Uh, shall we lay into letterbox for use of this? Yep. Cool, cool, cool. So, uh, my letterbox is a website. It's a uh, social media site for film lovers to talk at with into each other about the films that they love, maybe cool. the films they didn't love, the films they were completely baffled by. Uh, <laughs> Uh, the, the, there was literally one that just was like, "I want to fuck John Cusack," and that was the review. I was like, "Wow!" <laughs> even with even with his dumb little mustache, <laughs> it was it was pretty pretty stunning stuff. But anyway, it's a bottom up democracy. Everyone gets to have their say. Not just Siskel's and Eberts of the world. By the way, Roger Ebert, not a huge fan of tapeheads. I think he yeah. He, like he, I don't he think most film critics were at this yeah. at this time. I think but he letter- had like two stars or one and a half stars. Right. Letterbox is is a uh, is, like I said, bottom democracy. Everyone gets to have their say, not just the big critics of the world. And uh, these are the Letterbox one-liners for tape heads. Let's go. Cocaine's feature-length music video. Ah. <laughs> awesome. There, there's that. Oh, no. Drama kung fu. There's a great tag: eating a hot dog yeah. on the toilet. That's good. He's <laughs> eating those glizzies. Ugh. This this would have been so good if it just weren't so bad. I mean, fair, I guess. Yeah, harsh, yeah. harsh. Choice Film Club is a harsh but fair. It's still got two stars. It's not, you know, it's yeah. not the Ebert. Exactly. <laughs> Almost great. Although the guys with mullets miming the baby doll by Devo is a classic scene. <laughs> I, li- I like when the paint starts hitting them, and yes. it's like such a like they have to keep going with the fucking music yeah. with it. Like, and then, but I feel like it goes, it gets too far when everything gets set on fire. Yeah, that is a bit extreme, but <laughs> fucking insane that Jim Keltner and Weird Al are in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I thought the same thing. Uh, does everybody does everyone know who Jim Keltner is? I, I know the name. Famous uh, session drummer. Like he did uh, stuff with like Dylan, like Gary Lewis and the Playboys. Everyone, yeah, yeah. He played he played with the Beatles. Like he's just is like a guy that played with freaking 
Raikuder. I mean, like, just he's like one of those guys. But it was like he was in the band. It was like, oh, snap, that's Jim Keller. That's <laughs> wild. Because <laughs> it's kind of like not – he's not like an A-tier dude that people would know. But it's like if you know, it's like that's crazy that he's just like in this band. You know, There's so many cameos in this. I feel like they can, like, get even people that aren't, like, you know, A-list celebrities past everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Crowbar them in. Great. More than there. <laughs> Didn't pay attention at all, but I think I liked it. That was the first time I watched this, like, in, in 2021 or whatever. We talked yeah. about it with Andy. Like, I had to rewatch it. I was in the Hamptons at, like, my family's house or whatever, like, my great aunt's house. For like right. my grandma's birthday or something and i had to try to watch it on a screen while everyone was kind of like chatting in the background really loudly and i was like i i think i liked it but i had a hard time like <laughs> there's too much going on at once yeah like, and I, I like i it's weird how little of the actual plot i retained uh i was like uh, this, this one of the movies i've literally watched dozens of times yeah oh there you go there's a a lot of references to like uh, getting gorillas into Honduras. Like I think at one point in this, there's some yeah. kind of reference to yeah. that. Like, yep. <laughs> I remember you're being very excited about that. <laughs> Just two guys being dudes. <laughs> yeah. Four stars. Yeah, four stars. I, I also, I rewatched Repo Man for this episode, too, like, just to, you know, like, catch up on Repo Man, which I hope we redo as an episode soon. I would, I would uh, love to. I, I absolutely love that movie. But uh, like rewatching it and liking it a lot more this time, realizing that my brain I think has melted a lot in the last uh, two years because like the dialogue felt very stilted to me the first time I saw Repo Man, mm -hmm. and then watching it this time I'm like, no, the dialogue doesn't feel like that anymore to me. I think my brain's melted away a little bit. But I liked how many times that movie also referenced like giving money away to people like to, in the to the fucking Contras in Honduras too. <laughs> it's topical. Or in like the Nicaragua, like Nicaragua, Al almost as topical as the limbo. <laughs> Filming for so long, your actor dies of old age. <laughs> that, that was a great scene too. Yeah, that, that is a, that is like, a great. Is he going method? <laughs> it's, it's like, also it's also a very understandable thing for like someone like me that's like a freelance videographer that's had to do like stupid, like weird, odd jobs sometimes. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, like of course, like first of all, first they filmed his will, and then they filmed his funeral. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Exactly. And then they taped over it, or they tried to. Yeah. Then they made it art. <laughs> Both adding and taking away a star for John Cusack's heinous mustache. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even like a, it's not even like the little, I mean, it's like a pencil mustache, but it's not even like the John Waters one. He has like yeah. his, own, his own brand of like weird Sleazy. sexual, sexual predator mustache. <laughs> it, it definitely looks like he should be on a watch list. <laughs> I'm just glad he didn't have a big van. Hey, hey now. Three stars for the film, five stars for Roscoe's chicken and waffle ad. Ah. <laughs> it is pretty great. Yeah, yeah, truly best part of the film. With fucking King Cotton. Yeah. Oh, man. So yes. good. <laughs> so, so great. So ridiculous. Anyway, those are the letterbox one liners for tape heads. Please, please, please follow the show, Moving Extravaganza. That's uh, Swanky Flacco over there uh, on the airwaves and uh, on Letterbox. You can uh, follow him on there. I am No Refunds, Conan Neutron. <laughs> By the way, great thing to yell out the window when someone's shooting you. No refunds. <laughs> uh, all over Letterbox, log in. Which, by the way, you know, uh, Force and I can attest, Conan does that at, at all of his gigs. Exactly. Yeah. If it's, if it's not implied, let me explicitly state it. No refunds. Yeah. Uh, 
Uh, I'm on Letterboxd watching all the highbrow stuff, midbrow stuff, the populist fair. Follow me along for the Criterion Challenge if you feel so inclined. Uh, probably going to be logging more stuff in August since i uh, not going to have any tour dates coming up immediately. DJ Andrew World, Chicken <laughs> Waffles, as we call him. <laughs> That's his nickname around the office. Oh, Chicken Waffles. Hand me that staple. They done, they done, they done call me Chicken Waffles. And <laughs> He's watching. We're just going to leave that right there. And just any more of that sentence. Uh, he's watching all the weirdest stuff so you don't have to. Or maybe so you can. It is not for me to say or judge, but he's doing it nonetheless. You can follow him on Letterboxd as well. Find out all about it. Mike, I don't believe. Are you a Letterboxd user on there? It's not a I'm not, no. thing. I, I still want to miss you. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's not. Yeah, yeah, join. But yeah. It's, Become it's, one it's very addictive. We, we're fans, <laughs> if you can't tell. Uh, James World, Chicken Waffles, as we call you. Take it away <laughs> with the plugs, please. <laughs> Just yo, Chicken you, Waffles. Yo, you, you got a plug for those Chicken Waffles? <laughs> yeah, please go to Roscoe's. Roscoe's Chicken Waffles. Um, yes. o- only way, uh, you know, go to California, try that uh, stuff. I, I know uh, Conan had uh, some Berkshire Chicken and Waffles. Uh when, when we were together, and no, nobody rapped about it though. No, it was very disappointing. Does not, um, sound, does not sound great. Berkshire <laughs> chicken waffles. Hell, hey, That's dude, good. like you gotta go. Berkshire has the Berkshires has great food, man. You know, no, no uh, argument. All right, everything in Berkshire in the Berkshires is great. I get it. I the get thing it. he uh, likes best is his proximity to his home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> true but uh right now you are watching us on youtube please do those youtube things like comment subscribe hit that bell to get uh, notifications and of course the big ask is to watch the video to the end that allows us to find uh more movie fans and that allows you to hear a great conan neutron song and it allows us to get more chicken waffles exactly uh, if you are on Twitch, please uh, throw us a sub. Um, if you happen to have an Amazon Prime account, you can subscribe to us for free. It doesn't cost you anything, but it actually does help us out. So please, um, uh, p- you know, pl- please do that if you can. Uh, greatly appreciate that. Find us on social media. We are on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and now Blue Sky. So you can uh, catch all of our shenanigans there at... Uh, uh, those places and um, this guy is not popping up. I mean, I don't know. Like, yeah, it, it's not popping it off. Like, like it seems like people are trying real hard. It seems like everybody's leaving. Like a lot of people are leaving Twitter, though. It feels like so. I don't yeah, know. We're where, X, where the, you know, X. Until yeah. until Elijah Muhammad. If, if they're going to Threads, I'll never know because I hate that one. But, uh, <laughs> Hi, I, Mastodon. I I am a brand, and I am now on Threads. It's no pretty, way! Uh, I am another brand interacting really, with your brand. <laughs> Y'all seen the Barbie movie? I think I prefer Oppenheimer. And much like Oppenheimer, this uh, Clorox... These values are about to blow up. (laughs) (laughs) Much Much like Oppenheimer, Clorox is the bomb. And that's why that's what I clean my house with on on a daily basis. (laughs) Except for it's like a thread. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, sounds great. Sign me up. Yeah, yeah, but, but that's why you can find us on. Uh, that's why Blue Sky. We'll just take over Blue Sky. We'll just, yeah. we'll just dominate Blue Sky. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, like right now, my, my feed's entirely nothing but like trans people, which is fantastic. But you know, uh, that 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 just seems to be my, my experience of Blue Sky. So you know, there you go. Uh, thank you, Benny. Um, but we have a Patreon, and uh, <laughs> oh yeah, what a segue. <laughs> Um, <laughs> dead air for five seconds. <laughs> lots of, lots dramatic of, pause. Lots of trans people. Anyway, 
<laughs> I guess they're just stating facts. It's, you know. Yeah, no, I, yeah, you go scroll through my uh, blue sky if you want. I, um, I didn't say I disbelieved you. I just was thought it was funny. That, I'm inviting uh, the audience to do that. All right. People want the blue sky experience. That's that's what I'm seeing. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> but we do have a Patreon. And uh, with that, you can get uh, access to after parties forever. Um, yes. Uh, yeah, we, yeah we, we do have a Patreon, but we don't have a Mastodon. Not yet. I, I am on Mastodon, but I forget my password all the time, so I might as well not be. <laughs> you you going to plug your true social account? <laughs> it's my joke. That's I. That's I. I that's, Yo, it, it be, Andy would rattle off like one, two, three, and then be like, "And true social." I would. Do. Yeah. It, would it yeah. would be really funny though, like if we got true social and then popped off like on it. Like the only like the place <laughs> that the show is the most popular is would is true social. They're like, you know, I, I, I love their posts, but it seems like they're always talking about stuff that pisses me off. I don't know. They're, they're, <laughs> they're like, they're like, look, this, this is this is the Q rated uh, fucking like movie podcast. Like Q approves exactly. JFK Jr. <laughs> I, I have like as many followers on Gitter as I do on uh, Twitter and I don't even use Gitter. Because remember when Gitter was supposed to be the uh, uh, the right wing Twitter? Nope. Yeah, yeah. I think they they tried <laughs> to uh, they tried to sell that to fucking Kanye West. Yeah, because like, I, I think it was it's, I think it's right before Truth Candace, Social came. It's to Candace it. Owens' uh, like husband that that owns that now, and okay. they didn't want the debt anymore, so they tried to get Kanye West <laughs> to buy Getter. I got this chump will pick it up. Yeah, literally, <laughs> this it was, idiot it was... doesn't know better. <laughs> But but uh, if if you don't want us to be like uh, Candace Owens' husband, please uh, you know go to our Patreon and support us. Yeah, uh, we're not trying to sell you anything. We're just going to give you after parties forever. That's quite the, that's quite <laughs> the pitch. There we go. Um, Are we doing one tonight? I don't even know. I have no. Nah, clue. I'm, I'm, I was on tour. That's my excuse. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm I'm beat. I think. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm okay. I barely have like reset to like a proper sleep schedule, and I'm about to go do other stuff. So. Right. My my sleep schedule has never been this like weird. I I like uh, I woke up at six a.m. today, and then went back to sleep at noon, and then woke up at five p.m. Like I have this mm. weird like I have a I have a very weird I I don't know how to like get it back to normal again, but One, you can't. You, you two, just Audrey's coming <laughs> for you. She's right here. She's like, yeah. She's like, <laughs> there we go. This is dog, so, Mike. That's so, just, so, that's funny. Conan. Yes, you, what you had you had a uh, had an episode of uh, <laughs> yes what is a very rude way to acknowledge it. Sorry, uh, you you had a episode of Protonic Reversal last week uh, with Ryan Christopher Parks of B Hamilton. Yeah, it's great. That new EP is uh, I think it's coming out this week, and um, it's great. I mean, they're, they're very consistently good. Uh, they sound nothing like them whatsoever, but Raj plays drums in the Black Crows now, which is like. That seems like a little bit like below his skill level, frankly, because he's like a crazy, like insanely good drummer. Like once in future bands are basically like a cool prog band. But like, yeah, he plays in the Black Crows now. So. Yeah. Hey, I, you know, get get that Black Crows money. Exactly. Get her. Get her. <laughs> get yes. it up. <laughs> and uh, who, who you have coming up this week? Uh, this is uh, Chris Williams of Maple Stave. They have a new record for the first one in like a really long time. Who also is Plastic Flame Press, the notorious, notorious? Wait, he's not notorious. He's the, the poster artist, the graphic artist, uh, a lot of those uh, screen printed pictures, like the J. Ryan kind of style stuff. He's also a cartoonist as well. And Kyle's coming on this show next month for a movie I do not remember. <laughs> but he's coming on this show next month as well. And then Maple Stave's great. Uh, 
Also, coincidentally, he has Thrang's second guitar for Kona Neutron, The Secret Friends. So we are slowly completing the uh, whatever it is that we're completing. I guess the puzzle? I don't know. Yeah, the, the, I, I didn't think about this analogy when I started the sentence. The bingo card? <laughs> exactly. The punch card will be complete. Yes. What uh, happens I at am... the end of it? I don't know. You get, a, you get a gold star. I don't know. But yeah, if you want to get access to Protonic Reversal episodes early, uh, you can you can uh, go to uh, your Patreon. Uh, yes. It's, and uh, it's a dollar a month. That's that's the only level. And you can that's get uh, early episodes of Protonic Reversal, which is exciting. Bernie Sanders model, $1 a month, early access. Das ist alles. Uh, I got a bunch of insane stuff coming up. Uh, Eugene from Oxbow is coming back uh, to talk about his book and the new Oxbow record. Um, he's always wonderful. Uh, I got uh, Norm Westberg of Swans coming up. Ooh. People that are, that are Swans fans. Uh, Mike Hart of Thrall and uh, God Boys is coming back. I'm going to have one, two, three members of Sleepy Time Gorilla Museum, which is going to be really big for people who know that is. Um, but anyway, follow along on all the social media stuff, all of the things, uh, Protonic Reversals on all of it, and you'll find out all about all that good stuff. Yeah, and I think you finished up your, your little mini tour, right? Yeah, uh, we're playing Madison this coming Sunday. Okay. Uh, and Action Chief is playing the Riverwest 24, and, which is um, going to be the last Action Chief show. Ever? So. Or at least for know. now. I guess you have to try to find, yeah, it's show just, up and find out. Yeah, show up and find. <laughs> it's like when Bowie, you know, did the last uh, uh, Spiders from Mars show. Exactly. Uh, Forrest is going to be there filming it. It's going to be exciting. Uh, and then, yeah, uh, Secret Friends are playing Mickey's and Madison with Bronze Sage and Heat Death, who are both great. Yes. And that is may that may be the only Madison show of the year. I'm not sure. So that's that should be one not to miss. I have stuff to announce, but I still can't announce it yet. And it's really annoying, but it's I have stuff for the fall. But in the meantime, you can go to neutronfriends.bandcamp.com and get yep. all your Kona Neutron tunes if you haven't yet. And you can buy it all, all of it, the entire discography for one low price. Yep. Which I can't remember what it is. It's like what, twenty five bucks? Uh that seems reasonable. <laughs> I think that's it. That's it. I think that you know, I'm literally gonna have to look because I don't remember because yeah. it, it goes up after every album, right? And it, but I think it's I think it's still like if it's not 25 bucks, it's like around 25. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 24 dollars and five cents. That's a weird number. Okay, <laughs> there we go. <laughs> yeah, I just rounded it up for you. Don't don't, don't worry about it. it. Uh, yeah, it's like, just say 25. It's fine. You, you, yeah, you don't you don't need it, and I do. Well, I do need it, but you know, you're you, I'm not getting it. <laughs> you are. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, so, uh, yeah, there we go. We, we, we all need it. So go all the things that give us money, especially, uh, yeah, go do those things. Thanks. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, well, with Christina, not here, um, uh, you know, we miss her. We, we wish she was here, but, uh, we you know, thought we were going to get her, her freaking Barbie report and we did. Yeah. Yeah. Which would have been perfect after party material. The Barbie report. Uh, you, yeah. you made a song and everything. It was like, you know. Uh, exactly. That will never be exactly. heard now. Yeah, no. Because we'll, we'll I'm so we'll joking about the whole situation. Exactly. No. He's burning. He's burning the masters as, as we speak. <laughs> I'm setting fire to them right now. Um, but but she can go support her on Patreon. Uh, you know, I just wanted to plug her Patreon, even though she's not here, uh, because we miss her. We love her, and she does bring production value. <laughs> Mike. <laughs> um, <laughs> How are you gonna follow that one up? Um, just, leave, leave, uh, just leave it to Fest. Ravencon, I, I know Ravencon just 
Yes, RavenCon. Uh, you, you, uh, 17 years, which I, I can't believe like it's been that long. I know. Yeah. Well, yeah. Minus a, you know, a two year gap in there. Uh, no. but yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll throw a plug in there. We got through that two-year gap. Uh, literally, we canceled uh, because of COVID uh, three weeks before the con. So that was rough. I remember, yeah. That uh, was, we got through it uh, by putting out a uh, uh, an anthology called Corvid 19. Uh, 19 stories about uh, members of the Corvid family of birds. Uh, <laughs> a lot yeah, of fun to do. It's available on the website, ravencon.com. Uh, you can also buy tickets to next year's RavenCon on there. And we just uh, recently made the announcement. Um, in 1926, Amazing Stories uh, came out and published the very first science fiction magazine, coining the term science fiction. So in 2026, oh. we are partnering with Amazing Stories to host the official 100th anniversary of science fiction at RavenCon in Richmond, Virginia. Congrats, that rules. Oh, yeah, thank you. That, I'm very excited about that. It's going to be so much fun. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, and, and RavenCon in general is just a, a blast, uh, absolute blast to, to be at. Um, uh, I was at the first several. Um, yeah. Did the logo. We've added, we've added an escape room since you were there. Ooh. Yes. <laughs> Too exciting. Yeah, so, so, so it's, a, it's a great time. If, you, if you're in the, uh, you know, D.C., uh, Richmond area, you know, go. What, what are you? What, if you're next April, you got something to do now. Thank you. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. There we go. Uh, <laughs> it's yeah, yeah. It sounds great, Mike. So, so what's what's what can folks expect from the con if they haven't been to it? We uh, we do 11 to 12 tracks of programming that we run constantly throughout the weekend. So there are about 300 hours worth of activities. Cool. Um, panels and signings and concerts and like i said the escape room um uh, 24 hour game room right 24 hour game room yeah uh big masquerade uh competition cosplay uh it's yet yeah, everything you know it's it's not just like one of those comic cons where you walk in and it's just a big dealer's room and nothing else it's it, it just you know we will we will keep you busy you know for room three parties. days oh my god the room parties that, that, that get thrown um Ugh. The That's new location we're at, uh, we're at a hotel that uh, hotel slash conference center is split up amongst three different buildings, and there is an underground tunnel connecting the three buildings, uh, cool. which is nice. yeah super cool thing to have at a convention. Yeah, yeah. Uh, last year, someone threw a party in one of the in one of the tunnels. It was cool. yeah, it was a blast. Hey everybody, tunnel time! Tunnel party! <laughs> tunnel time! <laughs> exactly. Bring it back. Always comes back. To the limbo. Yeah. yeah. Um. Is, yeah. Go ahead. No. Go ahead. No, I was just going to make a stupid joke. Go for it. It wasn't funny. <laughs> now it's really not going to be no, funny. It's definitely going to get funnier the more we push it. <laughs> Fine. It's how me and Mike met. Was that a limbo contest? There you go. One for what, the ages. What, was, what was the joke? <laughs> oh, we're still waiting over here. <laughs> <laughs> I told you it wasn't funny. Yeah, well, as as happens, it just sounded like a it just sounded like that was the day I learned just how low Andy could go. Right. All right. Uh, see, that was a, that, that's, that's good. That, that's yeah, good. that was it's a good assist. Yeah. So it wasn't the joke. He was. It, it was the setup. Yes. Right. Yeah. Exactly. I, I feel like I feel like it's that, the motion in the ocean. Really. That's that's its own podcast. It's all setups. It's Andy just doing setups for like 
an hour to different jokes. He's like, I, I don't know how to hit it out of the park. But uh, here, here's some here's some ideas for premises. But <laughs> we're almost there. Here's some, here's some underhanded wiff, wiffle ball bat balls. <laughs> Where you go? Knock it out. And then there's something in there about ball. I don't know. Just is that a thing about balls? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Mm. Shrug. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of there's, well. There's really a. <laughs> You have, you have to do like video essayist voice. There's really a lot of directions you can take this one. Um, when it comes to you know jokes about balls, you know there's there's a bunch of different ways you can you can do this. Maybe you can do something about whiffling. I don't know. I'm not a I'm not a punchline guy. Or or you <laughs> could just pull up a big black ball, right. like a prop comic. Yeah, is that is that how is that how uh, yeah is that how Carrot Top got his act together? He just. He listened yeah, to your all. He listened to all your all premise, uh, you know, video masterclass. Uh, and then all premise, like, no payoff. They change the world story. <laughs> but uh, but uh, but Mike, do you have? It's any... crazy that he called his autobiography that. It was really a bold move. <laughs> do you have any uh, final thoughts about this movie? Anything we didn't touch on, or I, uh... I, you know, I think we covered it all. It's uh, like I said, it's it, it's one of my all time favorites. Uh, I can go back and watch it again and again. Um. The, uh, uh, the 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 music is fantastic. The comedy is fantastic, and it's it, it's got a little satire in there, so it's got a little bite to it. Yeah, yeah, and, and it gets into those. It, it touches on like full satire, I think, especially with, like the Blender Children parts, and like it gets there, and then Blender it kind of. And then how, how is this the first time we've said that name aloud? I thought I said. I th- no, I think I said it earlier. Oh, it, was, it was mentioned yeah. earlier. Well, that's that. That's yeah. That's alias for the Lords of the New Church. But yeah, what what of like we need a punk rock name? I don't know. Blender Children. Yeah, great. <laughs> Print it. Yeah, anything that sounds like it could be like uh, conservative abortion related, really. Yeah. yeah this year, that's your punk rock name. Yeah. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Um. But uh, you know, Andy, any any final thoughts on this? Please it, refer to him as his given name, Chicken Waffles. <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> DJ and <laughs> DJ Andrew World. <laughs> um, truly, this is, this is a... they they do scratch with the waffle in that yeah, ad. They do, yeah. And I put one of my favorite parts. I put our logo on top of the waffle. Like, yeah. When I, I was like, <laughs> so, so, and I love so, that there's there's a claymation. Is it claymation? Stop the stop motion chicken. Yeah, yeah stop motion yeah, chicken dancing. Yeah. Yeah, it's right. it's so much so much happening in that video. It's a um, lot of eighties things. I, I love the fact yeah. that the backup singers from that video also show up and sing backup for the swanky modes. That's right. Yeah, they well, they, um, already, they, they got them for the day. Might as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of the backup singers uh, is also um, uh, one of the backup singers for uh, Talking Heads. Uh, in well, Stop really? Making, in Stop Making Sense and on the um, uh, the the previous album from that. Right. I, I think I knew uh, that and forgot. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah. I, I'm the king of obscure trivia. Now, when's the last time you had a wing with the waffle? Well, that's too long. It ought to be unlawful. <laughs> <laughs> and and, and uh, I just love the fact that the backup singer. good, bad rapping. I love it. I, I love the, the part where the, the breaks and you just have the backup singers going. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, a waffle's just a pancake with a little square on it. Well, I mean, it, it's it's kind of funny. Uh, it's pretty funny that like it like you always need your like uh, you know your get in the door video, 
where yeah, it's like, yeah. oh, here, like I, I, I made this video just to get in the door. Like, here, here you go. You're like, you're like on spec thing. It's really funny if it's like a Roscoe's chicken and waffle wrap. Like that's your, you're yeah. like, I'm, I'm the Roscoe's chicken and waffle wrap guy. Like you got, you guys know me. Yeah, it's such a good video too. I mean, just like, and, and then you also get the comparison, the compare and contrast between the uh, the original ad where he's like dressed up as a chicken on TV, yeah. like like okay, completely everybody. like, yeah. Hi, come to Roscoe's and get your chicken and waffles. <laughs> Which there's I, a studying on on broadcast television in the Midwest. There's still a ton of those like just local businesses that yeah like, have that kind of stuff. It's really well, surreal. John Oliver does this thing now where he he finds like. You know the dealers that do the same ads, like because yeah. they all get it now from an agency, like, the same script or whatever. Yeah. And he like he'll like offer them uh, an original script if they all send in their, you know, like their their best awesome. take on it or something. Yeah. Like so, he does those pretty frequently, like those contests. And then he, and then he tries to do the most like embarrassing possible, like I got a divorce and now I have this Volvo in my fucking uh, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like who's who's gonna take the Volvo? And it's like a whole like. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but uh, Conan, you got some final thoughts. I do. Uh, I think Tapeheads is a pretty kind of strange, unique, bizarre, twisted comedy. It's not exactly a satire, not exactly a farce. Uh, I think it's very entertaining. I think it's very unique. I think it it kind of magpies from other films from around this time, but it has its own uh, energy for sure. I think things like bringing in Sam Warren Jr. Walker. Uh, brings a really interesting energy to it. And I think this is great time for John Cusack and Tim Robbins both as uh, actors. And I think it works, and there's every reason why it shouldn't work. And I, I wouldn't possibly wish it on an enemy to try to pitch them to watch it to explain what it was. Uh, but it fits, it slots very nicely in that era of 80s comedy that, you know, sure, it's a little bit cocaine decisions, but it's a good time. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's like you know you know those um cereal ads where it's like all something or another. Yeah, it's like yeah. all cocaine decisions. <laughs> I mean, look, that doesn't have to mean a bad thing. You know, it's like yeah. on one hand, on one end you have a Miami connection, and one hand you got tape ads. I don't know if anyone can refute this immediately, but it may be the last great '80s comedy. Ooh, mm. I don't know. I'm trying to. Well, yeah. Mm, yeah. Okay. Okay. We got our top researchers on that. Yeah. <laughs> well, you got to look at like 1989 <laughs> movies and then go down yeah. the list. The so. top researcher is me in another tab, by the way. Just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> this, uh, that 80s movie uh, that, that came out in uh, 2007 from um, the co-writer of The Chappelle Show uh, it was, it was uh, honestly not that good. <laughs> I guess National yeah, Lampoon's Christmas terrible. Vacation is 1989. It had uh, Nikki I mean, Klein from uh, that cult, from the next same cult in it, in Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> uh, what was she in? It, yeah, it was this um, wild uh, 80s movie. Uh, they actually have like Ben Stein voicing over, because this is supposed to be like a lost 80s movie uh, set up. The Burbs. And, um, uh, ben Stein was like uh, uh, go going through the whole thing like, like this is an early version of Tone Loke's Wild Thing. He hadn't quite worked out the lyrics yet. So there's Tone Loke up there rapping about weird stuff. Uncle Buck. <laughs> Uncle Buck. I was I was waiting for Andy to finish, but Uncle Uncle Buck, the Burbs, I think qualifies. Bill and Ted's excellent okay. adventure, also. And uh, I mean, I, I think that I think that National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation has 
uh, withstood the test of time. Like pe- people literally watch that every every Christmas season or whatever. It gets broadcasted into your thing. That's another movie that came out in '89. Major League '89. So we just uh, we just um, actually. I do have Nikki Klein's contact info in my uh, my phone. <laughs> I, 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 she's one of the people I've interviewed. That's crazy, but other other movies that came out this year, uh, the year being uh, nineteen eighty eight, of course, uh, Naked Gun, right? Uh, Twins also came out this year. Midnight Run, Coming all to com- America. All comedies that came out in the eighties, but I wouldn't classify them as eighties comedies. Yeah, it's interesting. Big came out that year. Beetlejuice, as we mentioned. Yeah, we talked about Weekend that. Weekend at Bernie's came out eighty nine. Yeah, because I think I think '80s movies is kind of its own thing. Like, really like is, big yeah. transcends, yeah. Big, big kind of transcends the the decade. Could you yeah. have done? But could they have done Weekend at Bernie's at any other time than nineteen, like the late nineteen eighties? I feel no. like no. that's no ultimate. Way. Yeah, yeah, no. yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're doing that right now with the president, but that's a different story. Back to the Future too. How are we? Um, wait, well, you got a little weekend of Bernie's going on. How are we, how are we skipping you, HF? It, it came out in 1989. Sure, okay. I mean, fine. We named like 17 other movies. We're not skipping anything. Yeah, we, we mentioned we, like seven UHF. times in the, in the yeah. context of the show, right? I mean, yo, Roadhouse came out. That's not a comedy, but Roadhouse came out in 1989. I mean, one could argue <laughs> that throat ripping scene is hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> I certainly laugh more at it than a, than a lot of comedies. Let's put it that way. Anyway, whatever. Well, I guess we refuted that point. <laughs> catch That's us on be the, the longest snap correction ever. Sorry. <laughs> catch us, catch us on the next movie night extravaganza next Tuesday when we talk about Office Space.